Do it again, but better. Hello and welcome back to Do It Again But Better, a podcast where I, Jess Stanley, chat to my fellow actors about their audition experiences, the good, the bad, and the absolutely bloody cringe. Today, I am sitting with a gorgeous friend of mine. She is a fellow actor, a fellow writer, a fellow marriage celebrant. (laughs) We have so much in common. Uh, She has the most amazing voice that I cannot get enough of her voice notes when she sends them to me there's just like this kind of like sexy like soothing quality to it uh what else can she's a comedian or comedian depending on how sexist you're feeling it's emily carr Oh, no one has ever said that to me about the voice notes. Really? God, put that on my tombstone. Oh my gosh, please. And I think you also do remind me of another great friend of mine who no longer lives in this city. But um, so every time I get one of your messages, I'm like, oh, you just reminded me of Shibby. And you just, it's it's a great voice. Well, I'm honored and I'm honored to edge out Shibby as well. (laughs) That's the plan. I knew about her from the beginning. Oh my God. (laughs) Anyway, we we have been already talking off air when you arrived at my house, but how are you? What have you done today? Oh, well, as we were both saying, we had each had our own beginning of the year meltdown (laughs) right on sketch. Like, what does it all mean? (laughs) It's a Friday. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it was that constant. It's the fun game I like to play where I was on track of my period weeks and now it's a fucking clusterfuck because I skipped the pill, I think, twice when I was in Europe because like a gal didn't want a period when she was just eating butter and drinking wine. (laughs) And... So now I don't know. So I was like, this feels like PMS, but I'm not due for PMS for another five days. So maybe I'm just having another (sighs) January breakdown. (laughs) Which one is it? What a fun game. I know. We play it daily. (laughs) It's a roulette. I, um, so do you get, let's just, let's just start right there. Do you get PMSy? Because I know we've talked about this a little bit before. Mm -hmm. Um, I have PMDD. You also have PMDD. And for anyone listening that doesn't know, that's just like really fucking bad PMS. Mm -hmm. And for me, it starts pretty much the moment I finish ovulating and I get two fun weeks of feeling like shit that gets worse and worse and worse until I get my period. Do you find that's the same for you? Do you just get it kind of the week leading up to your period? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's definitely the week leading up to it. It's like the body knows it is building and building. And as like we know, I think it's the classic thing of, you know, if you're resting and taking time for self-care and exercising and, you know, eating kale, punching the shun, all that <laughs> shit, like it'll be – it won't be as intense. But it like realistically, like sometimes we, we now – we just we just get burnt out quickly. We have crazy jobs. We have mm. crazy lives and it just comes out of nowhere. And sometimes it just spikes so hard. But it is, yes, to answer your question, always the week leading up to it. And you're on the pill. Do you find that that helps a little bit, a lot, unsure? I've been on the pill since I was 21. On the same one, kind of. Holy shit. Yeah. And because I used to get extremely bad periods. I mean, honestly, I got it so I could, like, have sex. <laughs> Save sex. Oh, my God. You're not a virgin. <laughs> get out. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought this was a different kind of podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> cancel half the things I wrote down. Um, I 
Yeah, so I used to get heinous period pain, which is kind of why I've stayed on the pill. I have friends that have, like, you should get this, the cycle, the app cycle, whatever it's called, and, you know, when you're ovulating and when you're not. yeah, yeah. I use an app called Flow. Maybe that's one of the I think there's there's so many, but, Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I should try and maybe I should wean myself off it. Do you like being on the pill? Not really. It's, it's, I just don't want to get pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. all it is. I, the day they have male contraception. <laughs> You're fucking there, <laughs> mate. Jackson. <laughs> get it together. <laughs> I was chatting actually to my friend Shibby t- today because oh, Shibby, um, actually I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shibby. <laughs> I'm realizing as I'm saying this that maybe they don't want me to talk about their birth control on my podcast. Um, Let's call her Libby. <laughs> I was talking to my friend Libby today about uh, what, because they're on something that I don't know anyone else who's on this one and I'm looking for options because I'm currently au natural, have been for a while because every time I go back on the pill, I hate it so fucking much. Mm, I'm mm-hmm. off it within uh, two months. It's, it's basically just a... a month of contraceptive and then I'm and then I'm out of there yeah I I I think the when I first heard about these like the the natural cycle why can I never describe this it's such a simple you literally just said it the the natural cycle yeah that women have what we were um what our bodies do I mean yeah and just monitoring it um I was so sus on it but it's you know, I think the science is there. If you're ovulating, you're taking it, you know, being cautious on the week that you're ovulating, then it's basically the same success rate as taking any other contraception. Right. So yes, I do. It just makes me nervous because we've had it so deeply ingrained into us of like, you cannot do this. You have to like have this kind of contraception, but I do just want to like be one with Mother Earth and my body <laughs> and just have it be completely natural. Yeah. I pros and cons to it for sure. I I like that feeling as well of being like left alone. Mm-hmm. No further hormones affecting yeah. me. But the yeah, the PMDD is a real nasty biatch without it. Oh um, the rage that I feel <laughs> is just she says just as she sits here, like this beautiful, I, like, calm <laughs> beauty. <laughs> I understand how people kill. Like <laughs> I, I, I get for one week out of a month, I get it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I feel really jibbed this month because I, it's my week of ovulating, which usually, you know, you feel fucking awesome. You've got yeah. so much energy, you're horny. It's all good. I've been feeling the opposite. I've been feeling really shit this week. So I feel really cheated. Yeah. That's bullshit. It's it is. Anyway, I think I asked how your day was. Well, <laughs> it was that we're in we're in week three, I guess, of my cycle. <laughs> that should say it all. If you've ever listened to the Period Queen, yes, Period Queen, love ya. She changed my life. <laughs> Does she do? Because I've read a few. Uh, things around um, all the different weeks of the month. Does she do seasons? Like um, you're in your summer, you're in your winter, or am I thinking of a different person? I I haven't read the book. Maybe she does the seasons in her book. I've only listened to her podcast. I do know mm. that other people very much focus on seasons, but hers is like um, it's like the dream phase, the do phase. So yes. you know to give yourself credit of like, 
if you're understanding what week you're in in your cycle, you know that you're going to be particularly exhausted or like just so drained. So if you have a like you should try and do creative things in the week where you are energized. I think it is the same thing. It's like your winter yeah. is when you are also in the dream phase or however they bloody go. Yeah. yeah. Which is love easier it. said than done. And mm. I love that. But at least we can, I don't know, I think we feel so guilty when we're feeling like, I don't just completely fatigued. Yeah. Because no one takes periods seriously. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think now some companies are starting to do like period leave, which is amazing. Overseas, I think it's like in Denmark or somewhere. Of course it's in bloody Denmark. Yeah. <sighs> Probably in Germany as well and Switzerland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and maybe this is just me, but I find that I like to, like, I don't know, throw myself under the bus and be like, you know, this is going to be the worst week of my month. Let's let's go all in and crash and burn and do everything difficult at the same time. (laughs) I like that you make that conscious choice. I really do. (laughs) I'm there with you. And then sometimes I'm like, I am going to drink whiskey on the couch (laughs) and watch like the goriest film possible. Oh, I love that. And eat Maccas. (laughs) (laughs) So Maccas is your go-to in terms of fast food. In terms of like feeling sorry for myself, <laughs> I think it is. Yes. And what do you get from Macca's? Always like a double cheesy. Oh, yeah. not chicky nuggies. Or a, no. Oh. I'm, oh, mate, I'm a fries fiend. Like, <laughs> even that would be one of my death row meals. <laughs> I'd like to be one classy. <laughs> she got multiple deaths coming We can't up. have a buffet. Like, <laughs> I'm dying over here. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with you because like, we've got so much in common, so much to talk about. I'm I'm so glad to have a fellow celebrant friend and, and I do have other celebrant friends. Like I'm not cheating on you, but like <laughs> I do too. I I'm glad you said something. <laughs> okay, I'm good. It felt like an elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. But I do like I love that we can just message and talk about things and, and swap stories because it is such a an amazing and joyful job and it's so great and it goes so well with acting because they both in their own ways are flexible and also not flexible <laughs> but it's it's a great job but it's also so good to have someone to like I don't know yeah commiserate with or whatever absolutely and I think that because we have the same like lives <laughs> It's even easier to connect because we have, you know, we're both actors, but we also both like create our own stuff, like write things. And yes, it's a very similar like field that we're in. Also, both our partners, our long-term partners are also actors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Are we the same person? Yeah. Why haven't we bitched about them yet? (laughs) We'll get to that. I guess we like them. That's our two, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) But um, tell before we get to the audition stuff, why did you become a celebrant? Look, I want to say nepotism because <laughs> <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> so <laughs> my my eldest brother asked me to be his cel- like unofficial celebrant, so I did that for them. He was like, maybe I'm gonna do the course for you. And then call back the next day. I was like, I looked it up. It takes 12 months. Can you just be an official celebrant? Yes. And then my younger brother, I, I have three brothers. My younger brother, Paul, he started a company called Nudo 
a few years ago and their whole idea was to, you know, have couples come in and have a package deal at the ready. So photographer, florist, stylist, like all of these vendors. And he was like, I think you should do like be the celebrant, you know, and he basically convinced me to do it. And it's just so like Paul, like we call him Bud, to just, you know, he's always telling me like, you should do this. Like, this is such a great <laughs> plan. Um, and so many times like, no, Bud, like you don't understand. But then I've looked back and gone, he's right. He was right. Oh my gosh. Look he's at this just, kid. He's, he's a always, puppeteer. He's just always been the million dollar idea guy. Oh, Bud. Um, but yeah, I I thought that it would if I did this I'd be sacrificing my acting career and I was always really hesitant about doing anything that required any full-time-ish labor that wasn't, you know, waitressing. Um because you don't want to miss out on opportunities, but I'm I'm just so glad that I did it because yeah, you it's Sorry, I'm really rambling. Oh my but God, not at all. <laughs> yeah. not, you are preaching to the choir. I am the choir. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's you can do a wedding, but then you can do theatre at the same time, like a show that night. And I think we're really lucky living in Melbourne because we don't have to travel. Like Most of my weddings are in Melbourne, oh, not so wineries. Good. You're like the metro gal. I, I uh, for some reason, often go out kind of um, a dandenong way. Oh, lovely. But aside from that, yeah, often definitely in Melbourne, which is so nice. But I think the thing people don't, um, it does go so well for actors because a wedding ceremony often is at 4 p.m., 4.30, 5 Mm -hmm. p.m. You can still make it to your call at the theatre. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. It's so good. And I, like we're talking before about the little stresses that any job has, but I actually get in the best mood after every wedding. It right? is the best kind of adrenaline. It really is. And and when you leave a meeting, an in-person meeting with yep. a yes. couple that you really vibe with, yep. you truly it feels like you're in a fucking cartoon movie. You're like walking down the street. You're like, love is amazing. I know. I'm amazing. <laughs> They're amazing. We love each other. Humanity is going to survive, <laughs> y'all. Like, and also, usually the couples uh, pay for your drinks and yes. snacks, and it's 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 so good. I, I actually saw a post recently on this the Facebook page. It's like full of celebrants, and they're like, you know, who shouts drinks, blah blah blah, and so many of them shout. And I was like, bitch, I am a struggling artist. <laughs> I don't do this full shout? time. I am not shouting an entire really? like dinner drinks thing. That's so. Strange. I know. That feels like the kind of thing that a boomer celebrant who that is doing it in their exactly retirement age. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a generational thing, maybe. Or maybe they just have it in their that's why they, they charge more. I don't know, but Yeah, true. Maybe it's built in, like meals and entertainment. Yeah. Ten percent. But I don't expect anyone to shout me a drink. Exactly. But at the same time I'm not gonna be like, my round guys, my bitch, if you're dropping sixty K on a wedding. You, Maybe you can throw it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even a blip on your radar. I know. And I, yeah, I'm the same. I never expect it, but it's always lovely. And it and, is. And, um, yeah. you know, not, and often the couple won't. And that's totally fine. Like, you know, I'll go to the counter with them and always will take out my phone to yeah. pay. And if they say, oh, well, grab this. Amazing. 
amazing. If they don't, no worries. Yes, absolutely. Actually, that is why I started going, like I say, like, oh, I'm happy to shout, but I'm also quite passive in those situations as well. And I started taking couples to bars where there's a QR code. So you don't have the stress. That's so good. And then it's like no one has to fix up a bill and you just go, boom. so true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's clever. I think that's – I've had that as well. Or sometimes I'll get – or if I'm doing kind of back-to-back meetings at the same place or same area and I'm there early, I'll just go and buy my drink so that I've yeah. already got it when they arrive. Yes, same. I think the only time I've shouted was when I was having serious – and it was a second meeting, so I'd already met the couple. They were lovely. I was having serious tram issues. I was running so late. I felt so bad that they stood on the street waiting for me because the bar I suggested was also not open yet. <laughs> and <laughs> And I, and I insisted on shouting. And even then they were like, Jess, this isn't a very good business model. Like this isn't very sustainable if you're buying us drinks. Oh, I would have done the same thing. I would have like offered my firstborn for when I had it inevitably. Like, yes, completely. Oh my gosh. I, this, is this a celebrant podcast now? It is. I know. Sorry listeners. If you came for some audition stories. Because we should start one. We should. I, there, there are some, but I'm not sure if they're. As fun as this. Yeah. But- <laughs> I haven't looked into any of them, but I'm going to say straight away, I'll just be that person that goes, we should start a podcast <laughs> on a podcast, she said. I love it. But it is that thing very much with a wedding. You never want to be running late. And I don't no. know, are you someone that is running to time usually, running late? In my daily life, yes, always the worst. I, Whenever there's a meme about punctuality, I will get tagged in it like 21 times. <laughs> but with this... Like with any acting, I'm never late. And with, oh, maybe over the years I've been a bit lax. But with weddings, no, I'm way too stressed. <laughs> yes. Way too fucking stressed. Well, it's high, it's, it's, um, it's a fun job, but it's high stakes as well. Yeah. And it's, oh, this is oh, the wedding, especially. Like, this is, you know, to them, the, the biggest day of their life. Yeah. Like, they're already nervous. Yeah. And then the person who's running the ceremony, as if I can just strut on in oh, and be man. like, here I am, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was late to my first ceremony last Friday because of the fucking Westgate was doing roadworks. Um, but the feeling of just, and I really, I really don't try to speed because first and foremost, I cannot afford to get any more demerit points <laughs> on my license. Truly. But, but you know, that feeling when you're in the car and it's like, well, I, there's no, there's, I'm, there's nothing I can do now. I'm just going to have to sit here and be super anxious, but. And the, I was just sitting there and the time was just creeping. I was texting the group every five minutes being like, I'm so sorry. Now it's saying I'm going to be 15 minutes late, half yeah. an hour late, Yeah, 15 minutes after the ceremony start time. And it was the worst oh. feeling, oh. but it actually didn't matter because the bride was also half an hour late. That's so the thing. They're always late. They're always so you can bank late. on that. Except I had one the other week and the bride was early. And I was oh, and I dare. was getting texts from the coordinator. How dare she? <laughs> Does she not understand tradition? <laughs> the audacity! Oh, <laughs> I was sitting in my car. I was proofreading my ceremony, and I get a text from the coordinator. Where are you? The bride's here. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we'll work on her time then. <laughs> Anyway, oh my gosh, I'm sure we'll talk more about this stuff later, but... Yes, and I also know, inevitably, I will have a horror story where I'm late. We already know I've 
missed a, I forgot that I had a wedding. It was a very small <laughs> wedding. There were only four people. It was in a park. It was very relaxed. Okay. Oh, this is my favorite story you've ever told me. It was just like, yeah, it was the beginning of the new year. We had been, you and I and others had been up all night. Yes. I think you probably partying. needed a good four days to recover. I from. did not look at my calendar. Like I didn't <laughs> look at it. I was like, I got nothing on the next couple of days. Hell so yeah. then the day after I was just asleep. Jackson was like, do you need the car? I said, no, <laughs> go forth. <laughs> and you keep your celebrant, the, like um, for listeners, a celebrant will often keep like a signing table and chairs for a ceremony where the venue isn't providing that and you keep that in the car so you're yes. just good to go at all times. <laughs> I'm just going to lick this wine off my hand from where it is dripping down my arm. <laughs> Do Don't <it>. look. <laughs> but, but yes, never been late but have forgotten I had one. So <laughs> I win. <laughs> I, I have, yeah, I do think that is, um, if we're talking like embarrassing things we've done at weddings or with couples, that's the best one. Oh it's so God. good. I can't top it. Oh, I know I'll top it. I know I'll top it again. It's just me. Like I will like prepare yourselves. I'm going to say the wrong so name. Good. I'm going to do yes. something stupid. I swapped a groom's, it, what, it, I swapped his middle name and his first name when you know it because in a ceremony well often um context for listeners you feed the legal vow sentence to a couple usually you kind of hold the mic to their mouth and feed them the sentence or you can write it down for them but often they they wanted to be fed to them like they i know the stress of like it's turning like, their eyes away from their partner they can't do it yeah it's like guys it, you can put it on your personal vows you literally yes. have to read it off a piece of paper it's so awkward when i feed it to you in tiny micro yeah. words but they 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 bloody love it and it makes love. me feel important so hey yeah i <laughs> i swapped a groom's middle name and first name the other day and it was oh, it wasn't so good I it was, wasn't great <laughs> but How I, did I they kind of, it? it actually it provided comedy because then i was like oh that was a little test and you passed well done you can come to the table and sign the certificate <laughs> nice see that's why she's a great celebrant <laughs> she's an actor too she's an improv gal I'm an improv gal. I'm actually not very good at improv, but anyway. I find that hard to believe. Oh, no, mate. Don't, don't, don't dare me to improv with you. <laughs> <laughs> you well, you're a very funny gal and you so have are experience you. in comedy. Oh, thank you. Yes. I said that so aggressive. <laughs> so are you. So are you. I think I like, I need a bit of like aggressive um, compliments today. Of, of, like yes. my self-esteem has been, I've had so much time alone in this house this month, Emily. Oh, I hear you. Yes. Okay, it is a, for the listeners, like my dream home. I oh, walked into this place for the you. first time and I was like, oh, this is what an adult's supposed to look like. It's just the most beautiful design. Oh, like it's so homey. I, I need you to help me figure out a design of my place. Oh, Even, my gosh. Well, yeah, everything. It's I'd just stunning. Happy. Thank it's you so much. Stunning. I, I enjoy it as well. Thank you. Mm. Um, Slice out of architectural digest. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Well, shucks. Um, Well, I did bring you here to ask you some specific questions. Yes. (laughs) I told you I wouldn't look at the group. I I love this, though. But we'll we'll tangent away all night long. Truly, I've got nowhere to be. And you're never leaving. So, (laughs) But the first question that I would actually like to ask you about auditions is... Mm -hmm. Um, what was your first ever audition? Okay, I'm pretty sure it was in year one and mm. we did Italian. 
like one day a week and they're having Italian day and they <laughs> literally needed someone to play the bird, which I think was a cockatoo. What? I'm like, guys, even I know that's an Australian bird. Like, this is not... This. A cockatoo. Yeah. So, anyway, I... Everyone, like, literally, all I had to do was like flap their arms and like squawk, and I was the best at flapping my arms and squawking. Of course, you were, and I was. You're talented. Like six year old me, such a judgmental bitch. I was like, oh, these guys suck. <laughs> like I want to be an actor, so I got up there and I was like, show them what's what. Um, so you already wanted dig. to be an actor. Yes. So you've always wanted to be an actor. Yes. Oh, I think I wanted to God. be a clown first. <laughs> And then it just switched into acting. And that is another thing I forgot to say in your intro that you are also or were a Captain Starlight. I was. It is oh, that job. Like my heart hurts sometimes when I think about that job because I miss it. It is it's such a good job. I thought you were going to say because it was fucking awful. All there the were children, children everywhere. Wow. <laughs> well, so you from being such a young little six-year-old already wanted to act and you were like, I can be this this cockatoo in Italian. Yes. I also had like, I kind of wish I had the brazen confidence that I had back then that was just absolutely delusional. Like I convinced my teacher in year one to like take the class out and watch me do a performance <laughs> that I hadn't planned and I was just like, I don't even know where the fuck I came up with that idea. I was just like, I'm going to oh put on a show gosh. for everyone. <laughs> and then we got out there and I just like, I don't, I was such a, I'm, I can't believe I had friends. Like, I think I climbed a fucking tree and was just like, and just improv a show. Oh my God. I love that. See, uh, when I was in, similarly, when I was in prep, I used to like write books and I would <laughs> bind them with like colored tape and things. And nearly like every other day, my poor prep teacher had to read out to the class Jess has brought in another story for us. <laughs> and and I, I found it several years ago, this tub with all of these books I wrote. And my spelling is atrocious. Truly props to my teacher that they could interpret. <laughs> because I really remember my mum telling me when I was learning how to write, how to spell, like say it out loud and write it how it sounds. And I would be like, my first ever book, it was about a mouse creeping through a house. No, sorry. I did a book about a mouse that was like the king of – we'll get to it. It's not about <laughs> – don't worry about it. I thought we were on wrote <gasps> the same shit, story. I thought it was eat the big magic thing. We'll get to that. Oh too. my gosh, yes. big magic! Yes. Oh my god, no, they pass the stories to each other. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, girlfriend. <laughs> and so I'd be sitting there, four-year-old, five-year-old me, being like, squeak. Oh, I can definitely hear some W's. I can hear an R, uh, and I would just put all these letters in. So I, I you look back, and it's like a twenty-letter. <laughs> version of the word squeak but man and it, oh. okay is this a thing that all children do that um with christmas and have you have you got cousins yes i love my cousins oh, i miss them nice. they're all in brizzy oh, yeah because you are from brizzy as well yes. <laughs> is this something that all children do that around christmas or holidays you get together with your cousins and you like write a little play and then you like put a play on for your family my cousins kate emma 
and Sarah and I used to put like dance makeup dances. Oh yes, the dance and do it for our family. Did you ever yes. pretend like designate the Spice Girls? We oh my god, I don't actually think we did. We did like um, we were obsessed with the movie Now and Then, <gasps> so we did that. One of my favorite childhood movies. Yeah, same. Oh my god, uh, which mate. who was your favorite? Roberta. Yes, and now I love <laughs> Sam the most. But I, yes. it's and I, I know it's such a weird term to say now that no one uses anymore but at the time when I saw it it was like a tomboy and that's in year three I became a tomboy I wanted to be a tomboy oh my god yes didn't want to wear any dresses because when you they were impractical if you climb them the boys could see up your dress yes they were so stupid and so ugly and I was sick (laughs) of it I love Sam, um, sorry, Roberta, for similar reasons. I was a bit of a tomboy as well. And you know that scene where she tapes up her boobs? Yes. One day, I think we had just watched Now and Then the night before, and then I, I thought I was so sly. It's like to my mum when she, oh, I'm going to the supermarket. Do you need anything? I was like, yeah, uh, masking tape. And, and, she, and she was like, I hope you're not planning on wrapping that around your body. And I, I didn't bring it up again. <laughs> Mum, she's onto it. Oh, I was as transparent as anything. <laughs> That's so funny. I never had that problem because I don't think I developed until like I left school. Late bloomer. Yeah. Well, they were always no. just like, I was just like, what even are you? Like, really? what? what are you? And I wasn't, they actually didn't worry about it too much. I think I'm really lucky that I have like such a beautiful mum who's, because, you know, I grew up in a family of boys who never made me feel bad about that but it was just like oh that's weird like i don't i don't understand boobs i don't think this is what they're supposed to look like but i don't really care <laughs> and might i say you are looking quite sporty spice right now in this outfit i am i <laughs> she's wearing maybe trackies or pants that look to have like a kind of a, a piping line down the sides <laughs> and a cute fitted tee. i she wanted to so look cute. I wanted to actually look quite cute tonight, and then I maybe it is the PMS thing. I was like, mm, "Who says you can't wear track pants?" Oh my gosh! Absolutely nobody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that was your first audition. And oh you- yes. Sorry. <laughs> my God, I told you I would ramble. And I'm terrible because I will talk us about about anything. But so you were being the cockatoo. Yes, the bird for Italian Day. I don't remember anything else all I know is I had to get up in front of the school and just like I don't know be a bird and have some kind of weird charisma <laughs> I think yeah and then and then the next the next one I remember was um in year three but yeah we won't go down that road because oh, then it'll okay. just take another and another okay <laughs> well on the flip side what was your most recent audition uh it was just for a commercial everyone so far has told me about their commercials. Mm, well, this, well, this one, oh, this one was for an American one. Oh my God. It, Tom's I deodorant. Think- <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone has said. I, it's so funny because whenever I get certain auditions, I'm like, I already know like 50 people, 50 people. It's so funny. Like this has gone to every oh, bitch in it's, Melbourne. It's been a wide net, but yeah. we're thankful the, for the wide nets because they catch us. Yes, that's it. Um, which role within this were you or what were you doing in, in the audition? I was like the ex-girlfriend at the campsite. Oh my gosh. Same. That, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
<gasps> I think I this one I threw together very quickly because because it, it was <laughs> sometimes you just like the all I'm doing is holding up a fucking tent, yes. looking bewildered, yes, and a bit of comic timing. <laughs> And I'm just like, yes, you could make this a much better thing. But, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe this is such a defeatist attitude, but there are ones that, like, I know I could potentially get cast in. And then, you know what I mean? Like, you understand, like, what your brand is, yeah. which I hate saying, but you do. And then there are other ones where I'm like, yeah, I could get cast in this, but I'm pretty sure, like, if she's not saying anything, they're just going to go with, a very specific look. Yeah. And some expressions. I know. It's you can't, funny one, isn't it? Yeah. Com- yeah. That's the thing. Like, I can't – you can't take commercials personally because no. they're so impersonal. They really are. And I think knowing that is so freeing. That yeah. Truly, it is nothing to do with what you put down in the tape. No. Because, it, I mean, so often um, – it is no no dialogue, which I kind of love. It's so easy. Yeah. But um, it's truly about like they're puzzling together. Uh, okay, we've already got two brunettes. Um, can we put a redhead in here? Can we put another brunette? No, let's put a yeah. blonde. Let's put someone with black hair or whatever. Yeah. And it's so impersonal. And that yeah. I think is quite freeing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important for actors to remember that like, yeah, it's acting. But what we're really doing right now is marketing. And you literally are selling the product. You're going to be the face of this product for a like a corporation or whoever is advertising their product. Yes. So it is very much that. Like it, it can't be like, oh, they're so shallow or this. Like, no, this is fucking marketing, man. Yeah, yeah. It is shallow. Yeah, so true. Yes. Um, yeah, James also auditioned for that one. So we did a little, a little, uh, a tent scene together oh, and, fun. uh, good times. Um, what's, That's, sorry, that would, I can just imagine that would have been a hilarious tape. You'd have to show me after. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is an audition memory that makes you laugh? Oh my God. Have I written anything down for this? I feel like I made this one blank. <laughs> I mean, all of them really, because they're they're so silly. Oh yes, no, I I, I did make a note. <laughs> I again, this was a commercial edition. This was a weird campaign. It wasn't a weird campaign. Sorry, it was Uber was promoting like safe drink driving years ago. Yes, and my audition brief was to be a drunk karaoke gal so the whole thing was like come into the room perfect sing a song or mime singing a song but i walked in and i'm not kidding there was just nine men in the room it was like the producing company and the marketing company like everyone seemed to be there and i was just like this is incredibly intimidating especially for the role and they were like do you have a song and i was like Put on Beyonce. <laughs> Hit it. And it was one of those moments where it's just like, bitch, go hard or go home. You cannot choke in front of this many men. Oh, my God. So I was like, this is what you were born to do. <laughs> Every time that you have had just one more drink, you've been training for this. So I just gave it my all. Oh, and I got my- it, which was amazing. I was going to say you were in a new brand. Well, yes. I 
perfect casting for you. It was karaoke lady. No, I mean, <laughs> it was so funny, but it was, yeah, it just makes me laugh because it was so much fun. And I thought it was going to be a really like weird situation, but the, the guys are so awesome. They were oh, so lovely. That. And it was, yeah, a really good day. I was actually really sick the day that we filmed it. Oh, classic. Yeah. Sometimes that, you know, you kind of, you pull out your best or you don't give a fuck. And so therefore you're not like trying too hard and you do a great performance. But I mean, if you yeah, were like was... singing and maybe dancing as well, that doesn't sound very fun. Oh, it was, I don't know what the, f- well, I don't know what it was, but when I got on, like it filmed at a bar, when I got on stage to have to do it, it was, it was again, it was just like, it was sink or swim. It's like you're being filmed. You can't go home. You need the money. <laughs> it's too late. You're just going to have to get out there and do it. So I, and it was only for like 10 minutes and then. I can't believe, but I also love that they, you could kind of come in with your own song. It wasn't because, you know, often yeah. um, I find more than anything else in commercial briefings I'm asked to like dance you know like you hear the song and the rhythm takes you over and you start to have a boogie that's it uh, it was so lo- it was that's the best thing they're just like whatever song you want yeah that's great mime it you're at karaoke you've had some drinks that's awesome because I do feel like usually as well if they don't if you don't get to choose it's a prescribed like an 80s rock song yeah totally and that's not my jam no Love that though. A bit of Beyonce. Yeah. Nailed it. So I, cause I left and it makes me laugh. Cause I left thinking like you, that was ridiculous. <laughs> what is like, it was just so <laughs> dream roll. Like again, like you're training for this your whole life. <laughs> well, since you started drinking. <laughs> that drink? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And what is an audition memory that makes you cringe or where you feel like you failed shockingly? <sighs> How much time do we have? <laughs> there was actually I did one for MTC recently. The first oh, MTC one oh, I'd congrats. ever gotten. I have no idea how. I just, I was yeah, like right. I don't know. I I don't I don't know. Was cool. it a general or no? For- it was like for a show, but it was partly for their education touring. It was the oh. Oh, forgetting what it's called. Is this a show that's on this year? No, it was last year. Oh, okay. It was called. Oh my god! I always want to say it's called. I want to know what love is, but that's another show oh, that I love. Um, my friend was in this. How awful that I forgot it. Yeah, but you keep talking, and I'll Google it over here. It was. Maybe that's why I didn't get it because they're like excited to have you here. I'm like, yes, I can't wait to do. <laughs> anyway, um, I. <laughs> it's really not that funny at all it's just classic me I walked in (laughs) we had a quick chat and the whole audition it's written in little vignettes and so it goes from scene to scene without real any real segues and they'd asked you to prepare like a little monologue thing a little dialogue scene with the person and then uh another another monologue or something but they were very quick and I just went in and I was, they got me to stand up there and I was so busy, like trying to remember the lines and remember the fact that I had to do an accent and everything. What accent did you have to do? It's like a Yorkshire one, but they oh. were like, don't worry about the accent. I don't, don't even ask me to do it. I don't know how to do it. Um, they were like, don't worry about focusing on that. And I think I focus on that more than of the actual Of course, because it's a tangible thing that you can focus on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Yeah, they. So I didn't hear them say just move from scene to scene fluidly. So I did one scene and then I stopped and I stared at them. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, and you waiting for praise. Do the next one. <laughs> yeah. And then I did that and then I waited and they're like, yeah, so we're going to do. So you're going to do them all together? And then I'm pretty sure I did it again and fucked it up. I, I don't even remember. I blacked out. I completely blacked out. I don't remember a thing. I just, it was, I mean, I wouldn't have been cast anyway. It was for a 25-year-old. I'm like, oh, I no, mate. Oh, mate. No, you read young. Put you in a little school dress and I'll give you a little spank. <laughs> Maybe for a mill fantasy like Jennifer Coolidge, if um, I should be so lucky. Was the show called I Want to Be Yours? Yes. 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 Um, but the director ended up coming to see Beauty Queen. And oh. this is such a like, I know this is so making excuses, but it was just on a night where you just, you know, when you just have your good nights and your off oh, night. Oh, sure. And I just saw her face in the audience in the off night. I was like. Fuck! Oh, no. <laughs> Here we are again. <laughs> I oh that feeling. I we yeah. had it. Um, so we did a um return. Sorry, to just swear so loudly. Oh my gosh, the microphone, please then. swear more. That's my one note for you for tonight. We, All right, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Um, in our return season of Croc, which you came to in September. A great, great show. Thank you. We, thank fuck you weren't there this night, but we had a show stop one night. Uh, we were having massive audio issue, issues. James um, is mic'd up for a large portion of the show. And sometimes he has like a vocal aff- affectation on top of that mic. And something had gone wrong. It and It ended up being cringingly simple that the batteries needed to be replaced, but no one that was there that night knew that Mm. actually one of the director's friends was in the audience and apparently told us later, she was sitting there being like, I knew what the problem was. I was this close to going up to the, to the, what do you call it? Like the op desk and being like, I can fix this for you. (laughs) But it was woeful. We, it was like, um, as soon as, and it was programmed in, um, our gorgeous stage manager, Lucy, she couldn't, just like press a button and turn it off. It was all pro pre-programmed. It was happening. And, and it meant that every time James's mic, once we entered a certain part of the play um, and his mic became switched on just every few seconds, this horrendously loud um, clashing banging sound. And it was just like, but so it was an assault to the ears oh and we had to God. do a show stop. James had to go backstage and kind of take off his entire costume because he had so many layers on. We kind of had to go out and be like, sorry, folks, I'll be right back with you. And there were some uh, very important people there that night. And just thinking about it makes me so unhappy. I, Because when do you make the call to stop the show, right? Like when does it get to a point where you're like, this – this cannot go on. It, this, and if listeners, if you can hear that in the background, that is our neighbor's car. He parks it outside our bedroom window. Is he allowed to do that? He he is, uh, but he will um, loiter in, in it. And it's it's like, it's a souped up car. It's the kind of car that you can hear on the freeway when he's Ugh. driven off like in three minutes time. Ugh. We'll hear him over there. And oh, he, he goes. Crazy. He tends to go to the gym at like two in the morning and come home and he's blasting R and B. High off his face. Maybe, maybe. 
be. I did <laughs> once see his dad actually um, get in the car and kind of do some kind of ritualistic like cleansing thing with it wasn't a sage mm. stick but something anyway interesting that was just a little okay. side note maybe um, he's just a night owl now i'm a, a judgmental bitch well, oh my god like, he's mate, on coke mate judge away i this is this person is my mortal enemy we recently discovered and by recently i mean sunday night that he is a professional gamer and he keeps us awake every fucking night because between the hours of like midnight and like 4 a.m., he is playing games. He's plugged into <sighs> the fucking internet. He's like, oh, yeah. But it's so, it's so loud. I can't sleep. That's why I'm having a breakdown. The, well, that is warranted. I didn't know until you just said it, but that's my worst nightmare. It's it, James actually went not, to speak. To yeah, <laughs> not anything else that could be. It's that. It's <laughs> not getting murdered. <laughs> James went to speak to them the other night because at one a.m. Sunday morning, no. um, and he's like, he's you know, he's having the time of his life playing these games. He's yelling, he's screaming, he's laughing. James went around to be like, "Hey, I can really hear you," and it hasn't stopped. So, anyway, that's a t- to-be-continued story. Okay, so we'll um, figure plot our revenge later. Because I occasionally the, the neighbours across the street are incredibly loud, but they're not that bad, but recently they were just fucked to the point where I was like, I have my celebrant speaker. I'm literally going to hook it up <gasps> and drown out their music. That is such a good idea. And this is the kind to of... To-be-continued. Cre- <laughs> this is the kind of creative thinking that I need. <laughs> anyway, what were we saying before that car kind of interjected? Well, the whole thing of when to stop. When to, to, sh- to yes, stop okay. show. Yeah. I, I don't know. Have you ever been in a show stop? It's so funny. I haven't thought of this story until you just said it, but... <laughs> this is I did a show in Brisbane a few years ago, Reagan Kelly. Yeah. My partner. And at the end of it, it's just me and my brother. We're screaming at each other. I am like so drunk, like off my head. I'm standing on the couch giving like this ferocious monologue, and he's opposite on the other side of the stage looking at me. And behind that is are these just walls that have just been put up, painted white with just simple doors, very simple set. And as I'm screaming, I see it slowly fall <gasps> down no. onto the stage. And I'm like, I... My brothers call me freezer because I did this once when I hit a parked car and I just like froze and I didn't like immediately stop. Like I don't have that instant reflex to be like, there's a wall going to fall onto your head. Um, So I didn't warn him, but he seemed to hear it. And anyway, so the entire fucking set collapsed and we're just looking at each other. So this is Jem. He was playing my twin brother and we just started like, we just we just stared at each other for a second. The audience is silent, and we just started laughing, and we just started telling jokes and riffing, and we're just literally waiting for someone to fucking pick up the set because we didn't know how to do it. Right. We didn't. I don't even. Rem- it was the preview night of the show. Oh, I God. don't even remember if the director was there. Eventually, Lewis, our writer, like came down the stairs, and he's like. I'm the director, everyone. I'm <laughs> mortified. Um, so, so it wasn't like, because it feels like maybe you could have passed it off as a design choice that you were screaming at your brother and the wall starts collapsing. Totally. But it, didn't, it didn't feel if like that. If only I was that swift. <laughs> but it was so clearly 
like, and then Jackson, who my partner, oh, who this is the first time we'd met, he was off stage and they like to blame him because they think he was leaning against the wall. Oh my God. Of course he, he was. <laughs> he was the only one to very kindly come out and make sure the front row audience members oh, hadn't been hurt. Oh my hurt. gosh. Can we spend an hour digressing on how sweet a human <laughs> Jackson is. is? He is the sweetest person in the world. And I remember thinking at the time, because we obviously weren't together, wow, you're such a cunt. Like, I can't believe you didn't think to check on the audience members. You were so busy uh, being like, my monologue. <laughs> it's your starring moment. You're playing Reagan Kelly. <laughs> So I don't know what to do. So yeah, we just, we made a joke of it. Eventually everyone put the set up. The audience were such legends. They oh. were very much with us and they were very happy for us to start the oh, scene Oh, that's again. good. But it was just, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It, was just, it. I watched it in slow mo. It was so funny. Oh, wow. I've, I've had that, not to that extent, but I have had um, our show, You Are the Blood, that we did in 2019. We had a couch on a raised uh, stage platform and one night the back two um, legs of the couch went off the back of the platform. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept kind of, I you know, acknowledged it in the world of the play. Yeah. yeah. But my co-star was kind of like, co-star? I don't you don't really say that when you're doing theatre, but oh, the other actor I was in the scene with, also called Jem, was a bit like, hmm? pause. We're gonna, we're gonna make sure we don't die. Then we're gonna pick up the couch and put it back on the stage, and then I'm gonna keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. You just, you have to make an impulse decision you sometimes, do. and it's just so moment to moment on which way you go. Do you? Do you acknowledge it as the actor? Do you keep going yeah. anyway? But you I mean, Queen recently, I kicked my shoe off in the scene, what? and then I was just like, I had, "You have like zero point two seconds to make a decision." I was like, "I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to pick it up when I walk off the stage next." How did you do that? Did you, as in, like, came the whole shoe came off your foot? Yeah, I've been waiting for it too, because you know, what? like, I kick the door down in this. It's just such a yeah, yeah. stupid show. Um, but a very good show that really showcases your talent. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> this, this show. I'm not going to let you get away with calling yourself stupid on my podcast. But thank you. <laughs> this one, though, this <laughs> – I don't know what happened. But I I recently – I got diagnosed with ADD last year. Oh, right. And got put on, like, medication for, like, work days to help focus and – I'd, I think I'd recently gone on an upper dose or something. And this one is very, like, it takes a bit of getting used to and it, it kind of suppresses your appetite. It's the same one that they use for binge, like, binge Right, yeah, yeah. So I think I just started taking it, of course, like, right in the middle of the season. And I hadn't eaten all day. Like, I think I'd eaten one thing and I, then I'd done a wedding and then I'd gone to the show and I was so lightheaded. And this is like, I, I fucked myself over. Like I wrote this show. It's a one woman show where I'm playing like 13 characters. It moves so quickly. It's so exhausting. I did it to myself (laughs) and I was like, it was like, I was having, I was like, maybe this is what menopause feels like. Like, I'm having early onset flashes. Like I felt like I was going to pass out. I, oh, I, 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 I like had the shakes. I was sweating oh, God. so much. So of course, like it was just the most ridiculous show. Like I've 
you know, kicked my shoe off. I'm pretty sure I <laughs> lost a prop. Like it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> you go home tonight and, and Jackson's like, no, none of those things happen. You just imagined them. <laughs> <laughs> this was a month after your show. <laughs> this was in Europe. <laughs> you kicked me in Italy. Um, that uh, That's actually something that I want to ask you. Totally off topic. Well, kind of on topic. Um, your partner, the beautiful Jackson, <laughs> he has written, he has uh, directed your last few shows. Mm. Uh, how has that been? Because some people would be like, oh, my God, my partner directing me, living with the same human being. What the fuck? I know. I, I don't even remember... If I was worried about it, I it was a. I said sign here. Um, You have to ask him. I don't even remember how the conversation happened with him coming on board for Beige Bitch. But I was just like, okay, I don't know. He asked you when you were drunk. You um, didn't agree. He when you woke up, he was like, "I'm directing your show." (laughs) Jackson, please respond. I'm pretty sure I begged him to do it. <laughs> he he is a very talented actor, but yes, he is a visionary. And he was, I don't know, it was just really, it's been really easy. He would have a different version of events because I can be an absolute fuck when he's like, <laughs> what about this? And, you know, it's your own show. And sometimes it's a weird, it's a weird, um, uh, what is it like role to play when you're the writer, the performer and the producer. Yeah. And then you have your director, but the final call obviously goes with me creatively. <laughs> so when it gives you a note, you're like, mm, producers overruling you. Yeah. It's, and it's very much me like, Oh my God, don't be a diva. Like, don't be such a fuckhead. <laughs> just let it go. He's doing such a brilliant job. And he did, he did such an amazing job. And I just think every now and then, I was so like double, like second guessing myself and not knowing what the right answer was or what the funniest joke is. And for sure, it's so hard when you're doing a one person show. Yeah. And, yes. and you've done multiple now and you're so funny and talented. <laughs> Thank you. But it's so hard when you, and you're so, you just, you're so exposed up there. Oh my God. And you just have to go with it. Yeah. You do. It's, it's such a, Again, it's just like a form of self-torture. That, <laughs> really I don't know. Is, do you feel? Did you just feel compelled that you had to do it as well when you did your first solo show? Uh, yeah. And I think that, I mean, many factors, but one of them being that, well, if I'm doing, I'm writing and performing my own show, I don't have to rely on other people. And I oh. definitely have that. And that's why I am a celebrant as well, because that job doesn't really rely on other people. Mm-hmm. That's why I started this podcast with myself because it doesn't, I mean, it relies on you being here. Thank you. <laughs> but like, I like to not have to rely on other people for things because it's just easier. Yeah. That, um, and yeah, I think what I love though, what I really love in, in shows and art is sharing yourself and being vulnerable. And I guess if I could sum up my shows that I've done and I've done like JSMR, both digitally and in person and then shut up. I'm a vampire always one person shows or shut up also had James in it playing music is kind of one per- two per- person show. Mm. But I, if I could like sum up like the blinking message on the stage, it's being like, Hey, this is how I feel about life. Do you feel the same? Like that's how I summarize mm. my show sometimes. And yeah. 
And because that's what really moves me in theatre. And, you know, when you're watching a show and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to write my next show or get up on stage and talk about this thing that means a lot to me. Absolutely. And that's what I like to do. And I'm sure you're the same. And Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. So. I completely agree. And. And yeah, sorry, going back to working with my partner, it, it's just so, it's so much fun. I'm so grateful to him to have said yes twice. <laughs> Cause the second time I was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to come? Are you sure I'm not pressing you into this? Are you sure you have time to do this? And he, to the point where he got annoyed and was just like, well, you shut the fuck up. Okay. He would never actually be that rude. Um, but he's a bloody angel man. And, and I have seen the way that he looks at you, which is so sweet. <laughs> so he sweet. would never, he would never say no. But I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, cause it is, it's, you know, an independent show. I can only pay him so much and he's putting so much time in and he literally brought the show both shows to life but I mean with Beauty Queen he did such an amazing job with you know creating three mirrors on stage and then the choreography of moving every set piece and he he actually is just such a brilliant director so yeah even not even just as a partner like as a creative it's just so fun to work with him yeah that's so cool do it again but better hello we're back hello (laughs) (laughs) it's been a while Um, we've ordered food everything's fine it's on the way it's vietnamese in case you're interested there's eggplant chips that i've put in the cart on a bit of a whim Uh, (laughs) um well i have no idea what we're talking about or where we're up to but going back to my questions what is the stupidest thing you've had to do for an audition i I'm sorry I keep bringing you back to commercials, but it's always them. It, it is, for sure. Because like, there's ones where you simply have to – because I got one recently and I said to my agent, there's no self-tape instructions. I don't know what I'm doing. They've just oh. sent me the storyboard of the actual commercial. And he was like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, so I walk out of the towel, out of the house holding a towel. And he goes, yep. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, I get it. I do what? get it on a business level that you have to find, again, like we said before, casting the right person who's going to fit the mold. But for fuck's sake, just hire a model. Like, don't. As in you're in the towel, like wrapped in the no, towel. No, literally just walking out of the house holding towels like freshly laundered towels and then smiling affectionately at the family (laughs) that you have that are happily playing cricket in the sunset as the camera pans over your beautiful house (laughs) yeah right but I'm never going to get cast in that because I think I I just cannot take it seriously (laughs) and I they know that seeing my face I always have to turn into something else I'm like (sighs) they're just they're so yeah I understand where they're coming from, but as a performer, they're just fucking stupid. Oh, they're so funny. They're so silly. Yeah. That's a good one, though. Um, just- <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Like, you, Classic. I literally, am I, am I missing, am I a bad actor? Like, am I supposed to have an objective with the towels? Like, 
no. I come out, I smile, <laughs> I leave. I, I feel like, um, do you, I want to say that her name is Delaney Rowe. She does like, um, she's probably a TikToker, but I don't, I tend to watch reels on Instagram because I'm a millennial, not a gen. Oh my God, I'm the same. same. <laughs> I'm like, I see TikToks, but on Instagram. Exactly. So I don't know what to call her, but she makes a series of reels that are like, um, the worst girl in the world who thinks you're obsessed with her in like a bookstore with you or whatever they're called. Or she does like, <laughs> she's always, she does like tropes of female characters in films and TV and Just stuff. the indie gal? Yeah, the indie gal, mate. Yeah, I think so. And I, I've actually started, I think, in my TVC auditions, kind of embodying her. <laughs> Because that's kind of what's being asked of you. Like, what did I have to do the other day that was silly? Um, I actually can't remember. But um, it's that little, like, you know, a bit of self-awareness. Oh, it was something about, like, oh, my gosh, I've got something in my teeth. Is it gone? Is it gone? And I I was like, I am just truly just being Delaney Road right now. I am being the most annoying girl in the world. Girl who thinks you're obsessed with her. Uh, but it's... <laughs> it's, it's so funny though because any person who's on tv and commercial is usually pretty fucking annoying <laughs> and i did one for Coles years ago i got so much shit for it i think mostly because they called me like sarah 29 <laughs> and i was like 26 at the time amazing anyway, but my friend <laughs> at starlight he was like i shouldn't tell you this but my partner rory and i you came on the screen the other night and you started talking and Rory goes, shut up, bitch. <laughs> and he was like, that's Captain Skittles. How dare you? I was like, mate, I would have said the same thing. They had me dressed in fucking pastel, holding a Coles bag, leaning against the car being like, I saved $399. Like I would have kicked my own ass. Oh, Fuck, man. So, like, you have to know. You have to <laughs> yeah, know you're going to get the shit. Yeah. Like, so, oh, my gosh. That's why I love TVCs. Like, I know. They're going to so rip you to shreds. Truly. If the pay is right. <laughs> hey, exactly. The price is right. I did one last year and I was um, not not quite the butt of the joke, but kind of the butt of the joke. It was like um, – more from the POV of the other person. And I, and I, once again, was just dancing at this party, but it was my housewarming. I just bought a house and my friend's POV was kind of like, wow. When you're- <gasps> I auditioned for that one. Did you? Oh, okay. that was a fun one. Yeah. It was okay. fun. Hilarious. Well, a bit of a Connie for Lissies. So uh, I got way too excited. <laughs> we were like, everyone gets the same audition. Yeah. You go, girl. But it's nice to hear. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. So for listeners, um, the context is kind of like my friend is watching me. I'm having the time of my life at my housewarming, but I'm the um, financially irresponsible friend. So I was like, how does she afford a house? I guess if she can, I can. That was kind of the gist. And um, I don't know that it actually – I've actually not seen the ad much except when it was first released. Maybe a few people sent it to me. But I feel like it just got absolutely slaughtered in the comments because – I never saw it. That's so funny. I wonder if they pulled it because, look, let's be honest, it's a really tricky time to be buying a house, paying your mortgage, paying your rent right now. Yeah, And I think maybe people in the comments were a bit that way. Like, (laughs) uh, so maybe the ad got pulled, but hey, I still got paid. And all I had to do was have a bloody dance to a bit of LMFAO. But that's the thing. It's it's not just doing an ad where people are on their couches giving you saying "shut up, bitch" anymore. 
<laughs> it's on social media where people are like, who is this dickhead? And it's just... Uh, is it... Oh, you got to... It's so <laughs> you know funny. My, my friend, Elliot, who was actually on one of my previous episodes, love you, Elle. Um, he was in an ANZ ad several years ago, and I can't remember the flavor of the comments or what they specifically said, but... The, the the comments on this ad were merciless and it just became such a source of joy for us and then like I think we've all got to have one and it just keeps you grounded james did one for 7-eleven years ago and he's quite a slim fella he's a tall lean fella he was even leaner at the time of shooting this ad he had stick legs and our favorite comment was something like <laughs> it was kind of like um it was for 7-Eleven coffees and it was like the person the way that the person looked reflected the kind of coffee so he was like a tall long black or whatever and someone had commented something like this dude looks like he's missed leg day for the last 700 days in a row <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway. You know what? Sorry. Like just on that makes me feel it's, it shouldn't, but it, it makes me feel better about things like this is the mean tweets that Jimmy Kimmel does. (laughs) Yes. Because it's just a reminder that when it comes to the internet, no one's safe. It doesn't matter how talented or popular you are. Someone will find a way to bring you back down bring a peg. Down. So get over yourself. Yeah. Shut up, bitch. Just do the Coles commercial. I just think it's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Um, what is an audition on the other end of this that you absolutely nailed? <laughs> Fuck. Did I even have an answer for this? <laughs> Blank. <laughs> this is the worst, like the most obvious acting advice ever. But the more prepared I am, obviously, the better the audition. But it is, it's just ones that I found that I've gone into being genuinely excited to have the, like, want to get the role, feel like I actually have a chance because, again, it's not like a commercial where they've sent you a casting brief that you absolutely don't fit. It's like, okay, I'm this age and this whatever, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> and what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think that break did us any, any good. Um, uh, the question was... An audition that you nailed. You nailed. Yes. No, the, okay, so, okay. <laughs> Devil juice the wine. <laughs> Look, the more prepared, the more excited I am, the better it is. I've just found that, like, in the past. It doesn't mean that I've nailed it. It doesn't mean that I've even booked the role (laughs) by any stretch. But I can't think of any one in particular. Because I've walked out of things going, that was really great, and not gotten it. Mm. Oh, for sure. But you've gotten positive feedback, which is great. And then there, yeah, it's... There's not one particular moment that stands out. It's just you, you don't you feel like you've done the best that you can. They've been really responsive and engaging. You've had a nice chat and then you've just had to like, let it go mm. and not overanalyze it mm-hmm. on the way out the door. Yeah. That's not probably the answer that you're looking for, but that's hey, all I'm I got. Not, I'm looking for nothing. <laughs> nothing. 
it's it's true though you have to just like let it go because and do you think that you're someone that is because I think I know I've got some friends that are uh you know hang on to auditions mm. so you hear about and I've got other friends that he's, he's forgotten as soon as you leave and where do you fall on that scale you feel like you're pretty doing pretty well for yourself there in terms of like forgetting about him I think mostly I'm good at forgetting about it. It's like the MTC one that I said I did. That was the first time I had an audition for a theatre company like that and I made a stupid faux pas. So, of course, I'm like, oh, wow, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but I think I got over that quite quickly because it's just been so many years now, so used to rejection. Yeah. you Like, if you want to – if I want to keep going, I can't keep dwelling on – what I did very or much didn't so do yeah. very well, but the going back to like being prepared. It's the more prepared I am, the then the more capable I am of them throwing a curveball at me. So if they say, yeah. "Okay, now try this," and they give a really weird direction because I've actually like learned the script and taken the time to get to know like what I think it is all about, I'm able to fuck around. So it's not really like. I've nailed the audition, but I've had I've found a way to have as much fun as possible. And that's a good way to look at it as well, that yeah. you had a good time. That yeah. you weren't fucking miserable. Absolutely. What's an audition that made you uncomfortable or outraged? Great question. Checking it. Yes. Out. I'll just scat while you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've put in block letters when they fucking ask you to cry with no warning. Oh my god. It's always god. student films. Yes. It's always student films and like, and we want you to cry on cue. I'm like, cool. I can't do that. Some people can. Props to them. I absolutely cannot. Well, it's just bad direction. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I've I've gotten this for sure. I mean, who yeah, especially female actors, I'm sure get this a lot. And it's so like and it's that thing first of all as actors and as well as human beings we're not trying to cry right we're trying not to cry so yes. then as soon as the director's like and can you cry here every part of my being is like no fuck you no fuck you because it's not natural mm-hmm. and it's just not the right way to go about it like yeah. i don't know prompt me on like what else is going on for my character not just can mm-hmm. you cry right now and of course we're we're smart we're intelligent people we can then interpret that and notice okay what's going on and you you've done your homework you put that in but and i but i think i find definitely sometimes when i'm asked like can you cry on this line mm-hmm. i i'm such a like um contrary person as some of my close friends will um, call me out on frequently that as soon as someone asks me to do something specific, I do not want to do it. So as soon as a director's <laughs> like, can you cry right now? I'm like, do you know what? Since you can asked, you no. cry right now? <laughs> yes. I, I completely agree though. And I also, I hate watching people cry in film or on stage. Yes. I hate it so much when it's clear that someone has said cry. Cry because it, it is not interesting. It's not interesting. It's much more interesting. And again, and like shout out to my my um my gorgeous acting teacher Howard Fine who taught me all of this is like 
Truly, we are not, tr- as humans, we are not trying to cry unless we're trying to manipulate someone. We're trying not to fucking cry. So then when we're act- watching an actor on stage trying to cry, mm-hmm. sometimes reveling in it, we're like, well, you, you, that's not a human being that I'm watching. I'm watching an actor who's either been told to do this or is yeah. just loving themselves sick right now. Either way, I'm pulled out. Completely. Because then, then they're... You can't understand what they're saying. It completely takes you out of the scene. And it's exactly, I completely agree with what you just said. Human beings do not, whenever I cry, I am always trying to hold back. Exactly. It's the oh same. Oh my God, I hate crying. I yeah. find like the most humiliating thing ever. It's the same as actors. Um, we're not trying to play drunk. We're, well, we're not trying to be drunk as humans. Mm-hmm. We're trying to pretend we're sober, right? It's exactly the same with crying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I wish more actors were taught that. Completely. Yeah. And I, yeah, because I, I had a director at uni to talk about this and it, it really changed things for me because she said that just because a script says, especially in like a play or whatever script, um, cry here, it doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because the direction yes. says yes doesn't mean you as the performer need to. You can just interpret that how you will. Which is, yes, and I agree. And um, sometimes I'll try to, I mean, it's hard though. Once you've read the stage directions, you know they're there and you're mm-hmm. in, they're ingrained in your brain. But mm-hmm. I do try to do the same, like cross them out, forget about them. Mm-hmm. Forget that it says she starts to cry here. Yeah. And because if you're not feeling that and you're just, you know, pre- presenting yourself in this role and your interpretation of the scene. So like cross out all the stage directions directions if you want to but it is really hard once you've read that and you know oh okay the the writer wanted this yeah completely and I understand that they this is a crucial moment where the character is completely breaking down and they feel distraught or heartbroken and I understand like it's easy to say they cry here and but it's just yeah, just let the actor figure it out. They read that and they know, okay, we already know this is a heartbreaking scene. We already know that something awful is going on and just giving them the chance to play around with that and explore that yeah. rather than saying, do this emotion. Yes. Any director that tells you to do an emotion, I just don't think is a very good director. I agree completely (laughs) agree okay what is an audition that took you somewhere unexpected i don't think i have an answer for this one that's fair it's a bit of a weird one i it's it's more the jobs that i got that took me somewhere expected but Mm. not the audition themselves Mm. tell me about a job that took you unexpected then i think it was starlight starlight i was able to so starlight is basically There's the clown doctors, but the Starlight Foundation created this role called Captain Starlight, who is from Planet Starlight, and they go around to the hospitals, the wards, the clinics, and entertain kids. They have we have creative freedom to entertain and engage them however we want. So they hire performers. We have a room called the Starlight Room that kids come down to. We create a TV show, we create an entire program. So that to me was the best job you could have as an an actor who is, you know, able to be creative in between acting jobs and everyone there is an actor and you just, you're able to just be like talk in absolute nonsense and be so silly and ridiculous. So I've met like some of the best friends there, 
I was able to, it was one of the things that was able to get me to move from Brisbane to Melbourne because I could switch jobs right? and go straight into like some form of work. It's let me travel like interstate and they do amazing things like run workshops with like comedians from the groundlings in the u.s to like amazing amazing. clowning coaches to puppetry so yeah it's it's very much like its own little cult that's just like we spread happiness and cheer sometimes it is very (laughs) culty but i mean we all love a cult really oh for sure (laughs) when you're in the cult you love it and how long were you a starlight for Six years. Captain. Oh, wow. Yeah. And your name was Captain Skittles. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that name? Oh, my God. I don't even – I think I was brainstorming with my cousin and her husband. I think he came up with it. We were coming up with all different silly ones. They give you a list because Star- Captain Starlight is national. So they give you a list of all the names that are already taken. And which I imagine is a huge mm, list. Mega. So – I was like, something colourful, Captain Rainbow was taken, something silly. And then I just thought, what will I be able to stand hearing for like every single day? And someone said Skittles. The hilarious thing is, I don't even like Skittles. I hurt my teeth. Oh, my God. (laughs) What? (gasps) But to me, it was like, it was colourful and it was a rainbow. And then... You just talk so much shit. Like, that's the beauty of the job. Kids are like, where do you live on Planet Starlight? I'm like, I live in a house full of Skittles and I eat Skittles. I eat them. I sometimes eat my front door and it goes back three days later. And one time a kid goes, that's cannibalism. And And you were like, shut up, bitch. Oh, my God, you're right. I'm eating myself. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So the best. Skittles make your teeth hurt. Are you not much of a sweet tooth? No, definitely savory. Salt. I envy you. If I was less of a, that was very like heavy. (laughs) Came right from my womb. Um, (laughs) I always think sweets are bad. Like I eat every carb. Like I know like a sugar is uh, carb. I found this out the other day. I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, everything's a carb. Jackson was like, I was like, I ate chocolate. I said something. And he was like, that's a carb. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, <laughs> sugar is a carb. Cut this out of the podcast. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this whole time the I was like, I'm a carbohydrate gal. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, carbs are great. Well, carbs are everything. But carbs are life. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I was less of a sweet tooth. But um, I envy you. Um, Don't. I eat pasta and burgers and chips oh. like they're going out of style. <laughs> I think they're much worse. They're the best things. They are the best. Uh, okay. What's an audition that you're thankful for? This one is – so I I had recently done a, a really random gig with some Starlight mates. So they had this company – anyway, long story short – they needed people to host um, this tour for Halloween around the Melbourne Cemetery. And ah. so we all were like hosts and took around groups. And so I did that. And then uh, a couple months, I think like a month or so later, I auditioned. So the people who hosted that were some Starlight people, but they had their own company called TBC. So TBC hosted the tours and then they were putting on their next show. So I auditioned for that and I didn't get it. And Trudy, who is 
Captain Disco, who was the direct directing the show and also like organized the tour. She sent me this email a couple of weeks later and she was like, I just want you to know, um, you had this amazing feedback for the tour and she gave me this great feedback about the audition, which, you know, as actors, you never get. And I understand that if it's a big call, they don't have time to tell everyone, like give feedback to everyone. But she basically just said, I just want you to know, like, there's still nice things being said about you behind closed doors. And it was just so like the thing I needed to hear at the time and just something that I try to take with me anytime I do an audition that, okay, even if I didn't get it, maybe if I felt good about it, someone's positively thinking of me somewhere. Yeah. It was just, it really touched me and it was, I was really appreciative of it. That's so so nice because yeah, as you say, we often hear nothing. Yeah. And she didn't need to do that. So it was, yeah. Yeah. Really lovely. Just an act of kindness. And and I'm sure often there are amazing conversations about us, uh, me in particular. No, absolutely. But like, I'm sure there are so many beautiful conversations going on about all of us at all times that we don't know about, but to actually hear it is so lovely. It was, it really was. It's, I, and I think I felt really bad at the time about not getting the role or I don't know. It was just at that age. Who knows? But either way, it was a beautiful thing. It was such a small gesture, but it's, yeah, it stuck with me. That's so nice. Because hmm. I auditioned for Starlight years ago in the same cohort as um, our our mutual friend, Captain Shambles. <laughs> And uh, uh, shout well, out to Shambo. Shambo. You're listening. I love you, mate. <laughs> so uh, a bunch of us had just finished the, or were about to finish Howard Fine Acting Studios full-time acting program. And uh, the gorgeous Kim, another captain. I actually, Captain I Lady? Probably. She's a very good friend of mine. Oh, yes. I'll bleep this out, but. Do I what? Um, that's her. So <laughs> that sounds dirty. What? <laughs> Do I bond? That's a, itch. That's a surname. Oh, she's a very good friend of mine. Also, a fellow celebrant. Mm. Hey, Kim. Oh, right. Oh my gosh, another connection here. So, what, so what did you say? Her Captain Lady. Captain Lady. She kind of came in and did a bit of. Um, we were all doing like our end of year uh, showreel scenes, and she came in as a bit of a producer first AD and told us as a big group, there were like 21 of us. Hey, um, I know you're all about to like finish this program and you're going to be out of work. Come and audition for Starlight. And a bunch of us did nearly half Mm. the course. And we were all in the same audition together. I fucking hated it. And I knew it wasn't right for me, but um, I think the part that appealed to me was more, I know there's a separate program that's more like a, a bit more therapy-ish because mm. I do have a, a bachelor of psychology. I don't um, know that. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's oh. useless. I've I've done nothing with it. I, You're an you actor, know. but I feel like that's 
you I mean it? helpful yes and Absolutely. I and I love the oh, knowledge no, I did know that I read okay sorry carry on <laughs> so impressed by you <laughs> oh thank you um but I think I was more interested in the like I think there's the program all for teens it's like you can chat to them over like was it like Livewire LimeWire LiveWire. not yes. LimeWire that is the illegal downloading program of the early noughties <laughs> I was more into that side of things I'm a bit I'm not really a clown I don't think I'm good at improv but I remember the audition distinctly it was very group focused it was very improv you don't have that's the thing about the job like you shouldn't have to be a performer yeah it's about knowing how to connect with kids like kids will respond to anyone yeah wow they don't always like clowns some of them hated the clown doctors they got scared by them they were like they're too much they're too funny they're too ridiculous and it's like yeah Man, you're going through fucking chemo. You want a quiet time. <laughs> do it again. They're better. Changing topics a little bit. What do you think you get typecast as in auditions? I'm pretty sure I am like a Miss Honey. Like throw <gasps> some pastels on her. She's got fair skin. She looks non-threatening. And put a fucking Coles bag over her shoulder. That's it. I don't have the mysterious, like, I don't have some kind of allure. Oh. You're like, oh, what is she thinking? It's a bit like, Ooh, oh, she's sexy. It's just like, oh, yes, the kindergarten teacher. Like, <laughs> it's like what you see is what you get. You're the cutie pie. Yeah, I think they just, I think it's like the fair skin and freckles. They're just like, and the height. They're like, she's not intimidating. She's not sexy. She's this. I mean, I feel like multiple conversations in this household have taken place about how sexy you are, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) But, (laughs) all right, we can circle back to that. (laughs) That's a past 11 p.m. topic, but, um. Or now. I don't feel like that at all with like, in, and I'm not saying in my daily life, like, yes, a woman should definitely feel sexy and amazing. But in terms of typecasting, I think someone's going to go, yeah, mm. she's, she's, she's innocent or it's, something. Isn't it funny? The thing you get typecast as when it, you maybe don't identify as it primarily mm. i'm sure we've got everything in us we're a bit of everything mm. yeah chameleons <laughs> but i i had a i did a course with a, a, um, an australian costume director i won't name them but they run courses online they've got a lot to say about the industry uh <laughs> i feel like i know who you're talking about i can see it in your eyes that you do and and i felt really frustrated in this course because i felt like their feedback was constantly um how many followers do you have on social media no sorry carry well, on no actually okay but, but they were they were putting me in this box that i didn't feel that i fit in mm. and and i kind of asked a question about that in the little facebook group and they responded um which character on Sex in the City are you? And I knew that they they saw me as a Charlotte and I don't feel like a Charlotte, but I feel like that goes to what you're saying, the Miss Honey mm. thing. We might not feel like the cutie little innocent kindergarten teacher because, I mean, do those people even exist? But it's interesting when you're seen that way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I think people see that in daily life because sometimes I can be like quiet or just like nice and – they're like, I thought you were really sweet. And then I say one sarcastic <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh, that's the least offensive thing I've said today. And you, some, suddenly I'm this heathen woman. So I don't know. But I, 
Yes, the typecast thing is definitely that. And this, like, the Sex and the City characters are not every archetype, every archetype of a woman. No. And it's it's a fun game to play, but I don't feel like any of them is. Yeah, there's yeah, like we're I'm a blend or not exactly. at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. I was in um I was at the movies last night, and I went to the little girl room before the session, and Mean Girls has just recently come out. I'm usually what this is like. Bless them. There were three tweens at the mirrors and while I was there I kind of and then tuned into their conversation and they were like choosing who in the group was who and it was so cute and so painful they were like one of them was like and I'm Gretchen and the others were like mm, no offense but you're a Karen isn't this the most defining thing for a teenage girl though because I remember this happening all the time and then being put in a box by your supposed friend saying you're this character and I'm like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about yeah you don't know me at all and then and then you like create this sense of yourself of like oh I'm this this role which anyway we don't have time to unpack female adolescent years and how to get over them so I, yeah exactly and I, I didn't intervene but it because it felt like a it felt like an um defining moment for those four girls so I left them to it but it yeah I totally agree and I think on one hand I love all the like the quizzes you know like which um fucking the four letter thing which personality are you <laughs> which speaking of um oh the Myers-Briggs one the Myers-Briggs exactly yeah. the personality test and um we talked about big magic earlier she is not the author I'm actually trying to think of Gretchen Rubin does like the four tendencies Oh, I don't know this. It's quite interesting, but and then you know, sometimes it's so fun to like box yourself in and learn a bit about yourself, but it's also all totally bullshit. Hundred percent. It's I think it's absolutely fine to go into those archetypes and the personality tests and your horoscopes and find the similarities, but then to not take them too personally when someone's like you're Chrissy from now and then and like I am in no way shape or form like that bitch (laughs) oh fuck you're killing me (laughs) okay um well on the flip side what typecast would you like to be seen more as I was trying to think of this on the ride over oh Anything but the Miss Honey role? I don't know. <laughs> it depends. There's a part of me that wants to be like the like play a serial killer, like the villain, or mm. even a. Uh, I could see you as a real like straight laced uh, female killer. I would love to. I would. She's got love. the blouse all the way done up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she is crazy. <laughs> or yeah, even like the. I would love to be Uma Thurman's character in Kill Bill. (gasps) Something like that. Which I'm like, "Mm, I don't think that ever cast me because, I mean, but at the same time, it's not like she's intimidating. She's just tall, blonde, and beautiful. And you are two of those things. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, that's fine. I, I think because so um bit a bit of Connie Felicis, I had a James and I hosted a uh dress up party last year that was like come as a film or TV character and M you came as the character, which we hadn't seen at the time. We then bought the fucking DVD so that we could watch this film Drop Dead Gorgeous, because it is not on streaming anywhere. We now own it on DVD. Amazing. Great film. But you came as this, the character, I actually can't remember her name, but the the mother of the main Yeah, the mum who is trying to be supportive of her of her daughter's pageant dreams, but she lives in a trailer park and in every scene she has a beer can. And then it's the most absurd, <sighs> hilarious movie. It's all about like just getting to the height of fame, but it's in like Minnesota trying to be the yes. next pageant dream queen and they sabotage each other and... The mum, they basically try to blow up the mum. She goes to the hospital and she has a beer can welded to a beer can welded to her hand and, for the rest of the movie. And you turned up at our house with a beer can taped to your hand and you, you were like, I think you even said like, oh, I'll probably give this like an hour tops. You kept it taped to your hand all night long. Yeah, I really taped that bitch good. <laughs> like, it was... Maybe it's that though, but I can like, I would love to see you as the, the trailer park. I, oh, that's the role I was born to play. <laughs> I grew up in Redcliffe. It's nothing but Bogan City. Oh. <laughs> I am one with the Bogan. I understand them on another level. I can see that. But I can also <laughs> see you as like a Kill Bill. I love it. But actually, yes, now that you say it, I would love to play someone like that. For me, it's it's um, it's so embarrassing, but I would have loved to have played um, Eva Green's role in Casino Royale. Oh, the one who enters the, the brunette yeah. when they're like, I need you to look so beautiful that when – we do this, oh, every man looks at you. Yeah. Oh, oh, I want someone to say that to me in a movie. You could. I, I'm sorry to gush again, but like music, Jess looked like a fucking Renaissance painting. <laughs> I could not stop staring at her. Like I literally was obsessively staring at you all night. Like she had on to this simple green dress. Her hair was flowing. Her skin was flawless as usual. And I was like, get me a brush. <laughs> You sit there. Someone give me a bunch of grapes. Like it was next level. So yes, I don't think that role uh, is far away. Thank you. That's so lovely to hear. And I will and I will dine out on that for days. It's I, true. I, think, I couldn't stop talking. To, I think Jackson's jealous. Like, <laughs> hey, let's make him even more jealous, baby. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a short. Isn't it a funny thing? Like, as a mm. short, as a short person, you feel. I feel like a little, yeah. a little goblin or a little troll. Totally. Which is why I was obsessed with Madeline when I was oh, younger. Oh my god, Madeline! Like, a short, redheaded gal. I'm not redheaded, but like, <laughs> you know, like fair skin, red hair, short gal who was just full of sass and i just always was drawn to those characters it's so funny because i've one of my dearest friends who is an la now based actor after winning the green card lottery and she's she's on the taller side for a lady she's not it in by any means like you wouldn't be like oh you're tall but she's just like taller than us um, and but she, I find it so like we always laugh at each other. Like the grass is always greener because she's always describing herself as is like tall, galumphing, a graceless giraffe. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You just like you just like the ideal woman. I'm this chunny gremlin on the ground next to you. <laughs> that is 
lies. But I do know what you mean. Like I've had many, I seem to be friends with a lot of tall women and it's like this gripe for them. And I was like, you shut your mouth. Uh, right? Oh, you walk into greener, a baby. room, everyone can see you. You're oh. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Like you turn heads. Yes. No one can even see my head. I'm just like down here. Hello. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, we could go on, but mm. okay. Um, what are you good at when it comes to auditioning or acting in general? I think going back to what I said earlier, if I feel like I know at least the script, such a basic thing, you know, you should, um, <laughs> then I really enjoy improv when they're like, okay, just fuck around and just play. But it also, it does depend on the person that's directing you. Mm. I think, um, they seem like the person who is used to, you know, creating roles or like they want you to improvise and try this and try that and get weird. If they, yeah, that's, that's, I, I just really enjoy doing that. So I think it's not necessarily like, yes, I mean, I'm sure it is a skill, but it is more such as something I really love doing. I like, think it is such a skill and one that I I don't think of myself as a great improviser. So I think it's such a great skill. And I mean, I actually saw you before we'd met properly in um, Queens. Queens. Uh, Queens from Queensland. <laughs> yeah. That was the show. Tell 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 the listeners a little bit about Queen. So it was what Melbourne Fringe 2020. 2018. Holy it was shit. with my two housemates at the time, very talented, hilarious comedians, Caitlin Rogers and Alex Hines. And we were all from Queensland. That's how we met. And we lived together and we just were like, let's write a show together. And it was just a trio from Queensland who were the queens who were there to like rectify Chappelle Corby, our, our queen. And we were basically running a seminar saying like, these are the five stages of embracing your queendom. And it was completely fucking stupid and so much fun. It was so fun. I, me and James actually went along because we knew Alex Hines at the time. James had done a show with her and her partner, uh, Gwilym. And, um, it was such a pleasure. I loved it. Like when you all kind of clambered through the audience <laughs> at the beginning and still to this day, I will uh, quote the show. Oh and I God. feel like at, at random moments in the show when you would all just be like, queen, 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 queen. Like I still do that to this day. And no one knows the reference, but everyone understands it. Because your comedy is timeless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That was a, it was so loose. There was one night where we just corpsed the entire show, <laughs> which, sorry, for any non actor person, corpsing is just when you laugh. It's just a fancy way of saying, I laughed when I shouldn't have and broke character. <laughs> And it was base. That was basically the whole process. Did you have? Was a lot of that show improvised on the night, or was it like pretty scripted? No, we very much came up with the script beforehand, and then just fucked around every now and then on the floor. But yeah, it's interesting. We did write the script before we got on the floor, which doesn't seem like a wise idea for any of us. We're very much people that are just like, do something stupid and see what comes out of it. Yeah, so, very true. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh, it was so fun. Like, it just felt like these three amazing, iconic comedians. It's definitely loose. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, Okay. Where do you think you could improve when it comes to auditioning or acting in general? Oh, my God. No, oh, but but before you answer this, but I, I want my therapist. <laughs> Wait, I actually I wanted to say on the last thing where I think you're really great, which was so highlighted in Beauty Queen, your recent show, um, is like transformation of character, and you were so good at that, and it was amazing, and all the reviewers pointed it out, and they were spot on, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was very nervous about that. Oh, man. No, you, you did it so um, well. Massive props to Jackson, who directed it, and Fabio Motta, who came in <gasps> for some clowning. So he very much – he came in at the beginning for two hours to help, like, kind of figure out some of the characters, and then he watched a run of the show, and we delved further into those <sighs> quick character changes. So he was – instrumental in that he is just a an, an icon of melbourne he Fabio. is has one of the best solo shows i have ever oh, seen it's called a... spot yes man i am waiting for him to put it on again because i know it won so many awards it's been around for ages yeah, i didn't it's brilliant because it's a kid's show but i isn't it oh it's well, no, I think it could be any age group. So right. the whole idea is that he – it's very much like a, a loose biography of his life. And, Fabio, I'm sorry if I butcher this <laughs> premise for you. But, you know, immigrating from Italy to Australia at a young age, like learning about kind of the ingrained racism, like the very subtle ingrained racism that Australia has, like white Australia for any foreigners. And so Spot is like this kind of similar to a big mouth in a way of like a very extreme alter ego that seems like they're there to nurture you, but they're also like the devil on your shoulder. Oh, cool. So it's just going through his experiences. So Spot is very much like a a bit where he is – uh, in primary school wanting to like they're all picking a book to read and he's still like English is obviously a second language and he wants to read Shakespeare but the teacher tells him that he's probably qualified to read Spot and it's kind of this beautiful heartbreaking <gasps> moment but it is just so funny and some of the best clowning I've ever seen and his just transitions from like one character to another it's brilliant and I think it should be on the main stages for everyone to oh, see because it's not like this in your face, like this is where we've done wrong. It's just so educational but so funny. That sounds incredible. I mm. I didn't know that. Thanks for explaining because I think it. I'd only seen it as a kid's show. So, But that sounds incredible. Oh, it's great. Oh, and I feel like this is the thing as well that artists and something only that James and I have realized in the last few years, if you do a show that does well, do it again. Mm. do it again for the people that missed it do it again for everyone do it again for the people that want to come back fab please do your show again please do it i've told so many people about it (laughs) i I totally spoke over you um what do you what do you shit at when it comes to auditioning is the question i think god it's i've this is like flogging a dead horse but it is very much about being prepared i've said this so many times it's not even interesting anymore cut it out of the podcast (laughs) but if i that's just me like there are people that can rock up and 
So like in LA, they don't learn the lines like they're not supposed to. They're very much about like they hold the script in their hand and that's their process. Anyway, ignoring that. I <laughs> I don't – there are people who learn the lines on the day and they are amazing. I can't do that. I have to know it. And if I – and I, I'm someone that can be either like all in and work really hard or just be like a half-baked like one more beer at the pub, <laughs> lazy bitch. <laughs> so not putting the time in to learn something is mm. sometimes – my Achilles heel. And do you think that that is a self-sabotaging move of like, oh, fuck, I really care about this. I'm going to do the opposite and not prepare. Or is it more like, oh, I don't really give a fuck about this audition. I'm not going to do the homework. It's a bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's been a sabotage thing. And sometimes I've just gone, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Why am I doing this? And Sometimes my instincts have been spot on and sometimes I'm like, wow, you really should have worked harder on that. That could have made a real difference, you dumb bitch. <laughs> we never know though, right? Oh, I've been it's there. my own fault. <laughs> How do you celebrate after an acting win? It's been so long, Jess. What? No. I haven't auditioned for anything in so long. Like, what is, what is an acting win, I ask well, you? Well, and this, is, this question has brought up Food for thought because Ooh. I've then become gotten into discussions with people after this question of like, but if we look at our job like a nine to five, is it preposterous to go out after an audition and treat yourself? Is, you know, we're adults. Is that ridiculous? Is that just like someone else going to their fucking office job and finishing their fucking report on, I don't fucking know what, or is it like really important? <laughs> and like, I love shout out to Emily Joy, uh, a very well-known uh, Melbourne actor and acting coach who is very big on like rewarding yourself or like not less rewarding yourself, like celebrating when you book the audition, like that's a win. Everything is a win. And I love that. But then there's, I know people on the flip side that are like, nah, it's my job. I don't need a reward. It's mm. my job. So like, where do you, where do you fall on the spectrum? I think I'm the person that's like, treat yourself, bank account, don't treat yourself. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, it's, yeah, I guess it depends what it is. If I feel, I think in general, if I have felt good about myself for literally anything, I'll be like, we're going out tonight. Oh, I love or it. Or I, yeah, you do want to celebrate and you feel good about yourself. So whether that's an acting win or any kind of win. I I remember after Beige Bitch, um, the settlement we got back, because we weren't, like, we didn't make bank, but we got more than we thought we were going to, me and Jack. And I'd sent him, like, like the total. And we were, I'd said at the time, like, let's just split it evenly. And we both bought bottles of champagne without telling the other. So I literally... Like came home and I opened the door holding a bottle of champagne and he was waiting to pop one. Oh my god! So that was you nice. Guys fucking kill me because <laughs> oh it was god. like it was the first time. Like we had no idea what we were doing and it was just a really good feeling because like the first season was right after lockdown. It was so so nerve wracking. I was shitting myself, but it was so fun and it was a really great way to end 
the whole thing. I so yes, there oh, were times when like when those fun surprises of like, yes, this hard work has paid off to this degree and we just I think we both just really wanted to celebrate <laughs> yeah. the whole feat in general. When he directs your show, does he come and watch it every night? Well, yes, unless he's working and then and he doesn't have to. So this time for Beauty Queen, he like had to work and he wasn't able to make it for the second week, for most of the second week. And it is, it was like, okay, this isn't like, this is normal. Your director doesn't have to be here. And also your boyfriend doesn't come to every show. Like, stop, just get over it. And I was just like, I don't want to do this without you. Like, who do I? Funny. Yeah. Because you get, especially a one person show. Yes. Who do I pump up with? No one. You get so attached to your director. I've done a few, like, uh, shout outs to a couple of beautiful friends, Farron Martin, who directed did my one person show Ross and Rachel and Bronte Charlotte who did Shut Up I'm a Vampire and when they're not there you're like but why yes I'm like hey Karis my sound lady like wanna hang out she's like I'm busy Like, come and do this dance with me, Karis. She's like, absolutely not. Clear boundaries. (laughs) So it is a weird one. You don't have... And I think, like, for any actors out there, like, who perform in more than a one-person show, know that you have your cast rituals. Like, you do fun warm-ups together. So it is hard when you're by yourself. Yeah. And you don't have that. Which means that when something shit happens, you don't have them to go out and have a beer with. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I think... I really discovered this just to talk about more for a second. Absolutely. And when I did my JSMR show in person and I did uh, four or three back-to-back shows a night at Fringe in 2022. That was so impressive. I can't uh, believe you did that. Thank you. It was silly in hindsight. It was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was – It was. Um, the reason I did so many shows is because originally I conceived it, it was like only two audience members at a time. So, of course, you need to do a lot of show, back-to-back shows. But then Fringe were like, oh, COVID is still a thing. People aren't turning up to shows. People are sick. Audiences generally just don't turn up sometimes. So you need to account for that and bump it up a little bit. So I went up to like 10, 12. Um, and I just didn't need that many sessions, but it was just me Mm. and I would do a show and then everyone would leave. And then I would just be in the tent for myself until the next show. And then do that again and again and again and again, night after night after night. And I I think I did start to just as an interesting experiment, like take little notes on like, oh, this show wasn't good or this show was great, yada, yada. Mm. But it's just nice to have someone to talk about it with. Yeah. Well, when you're doing a solo show, like if you're doing a show with other people, you feed off them, right? Like, and when you're doing a solo show, you feed off your audience's energy. I mean, you want to hope to channel the energy regardless, but it does make a difference. And if you're by yourself on stage and you've only got a few people in, like, boy, it is running a fucking marathon. (laughs) Yeah. It is a lot. Sure is, baby. Yeah. Okay. uh, What do you do for self-care when you're not feeling your best? Um, I really like to, depends what it is. It's very hard in Melbourne, but I just like to be in the sun. <laughs> so there's right. that. You are a Queenslander. I am. I like to be outdoors. I think just going, just being in nature, anywhere in nature and going for a walk makes me feel so much better. Um, and 
A friend once told me that when you feel anxious, you should read a book. I don't think that applies to people who don't ever read no, books. No, 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 no. But I think if it is, if you are a voracious reader, then yes, it can help. I'm just going to cut in here. I am a voracious reader. Yes. But if I'm feeling anxious, I can't concentrate on the book. That's how I feel. And it's, but I found it, it can help if I've got the right book. So it's kind of a weird, it's a weird one because you have to be reading the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but sometimes it can help to escape. Mm, it has to be a book that's really drawn you in. In that case, I can read it all day long. Yes, absolutely. But otherwise, no. Nah. Yeah, but I think, yeah, sitting still and reading and watching things can definitely be drying when you feel anxious. Um, but, yeah, generally, generally, like, anything outdoors, like a walk, the sunshine, diving into the ocean, or just being with, like, the people that I'm very close with that fill my cup. That Love makes a that. massive difference. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I think I'm on the spectrum, mm-hmm. which people are like, Everyone is like, they're fucking not. <laughs> I took the Myers Briggs test. <laughs> Throwback. I am 51% extroverted, 49% introverted. There are times when I I can go either way. I absolutely yeah. love being social sometimes and being around groups of people. And other times I am perfectly happy to be by myself yeah. for days at a time mm. and chill out. And you like the water? Are you kind of a, a water baby, or no? Uh, yeah, no, yes. <laughs> Is that a thing people say? Water baby? I don't know. No, I one of my best friends um, slash sister in law. I call her beach baby because she absolutely is the person that goes into the water at whatever temperature. So I'm not that person, but I am like. It's it's also to me I'm the I'm a little bitch like I will dip my toe in <laughs> about 20 times and take forever to get underwater but it also is something that makes you feel so good when you're there. Mm. Something sense? It does. I do really observe in my friends I was dripping wine all over the bloody table. Um I do really observe in my friends that aren't from Melbourne that they really need the sunshine in the outdoors and mm. or otherwise the SAD is coming for you. It's coming. Mate, I need my happy summer lamp. <laughs> like I need it. <laughs> when I was in lockdown by, I was living in a studio apartment in the second one that had no natural light. So that was incredibly oh, no. depressing. Yeah. That's awful. I was by myself. Oh God. It was dark. Jackson was in Brisbane. We didn't know when we were going to see each other. Fuck. I, I think of you two as, you know, you've been together for so long, but it's, <laughs> but you, yeah, you weren't at that in the same city at that point. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was, he was probably like going to move from Brisbane to Melbourne, but then he moved for ended. love. Just so you know, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but, I feel like he's got a different story. He loves me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I that was very hard. But then, like, it was literally like spring came and the flowers blossomed and the sun came out and I was happy. Again. Oh, man. So, yes, I get some pretty bad seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, fair enough. I think anyone not from Melbourne, 
thousand percent does. And I'm sick of hearing your complaint about it. No, I'm kidding. I'm very much a winter person because I, I, I truly... I burned standing at the traffic lights waiting for the lights to change. Same. So, I got yeah. burnt at a wedding rehearsal the other day because I was in a <laughs> fucking balcony. <laughs> and oh, I even oh, stepped off to the side. No, was this it? We can talk about this later, but was this Town Hall balcony? No, it was Carousel on the oh, lake. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for most of it, I was standing in the shade. I'm like, sorry, guys. It's not that I'm not invested. I just didn't put sunscreen on like Because you didn't think that you were going to be in the sun. Yes. And then I came yes. back in and I still got burnt. Oh, man. Yeah. I so, yes, that. I am a pasty ass gal. <laughs> but I love Unfortunate my for a breezy gal as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh, yeah. They kicked me out. <laughs> She's not allowed back. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, okay. Who's a director you would love to audition for? I'm sure this is a popular answer, but Kip Williams, if we're talking Australian directors, mm. I love Dorian Gray. I just think he's onto something really special. And I feel like from everything that I've read, he's just got amazing ideas and he really loves, like has so much faith in his performers. And it just seems like a really lovely collaborative process. And it just, it was just really exciting theatre because it was the perfect blend of classic theatre with a modern touch, like finding new new heights without being like overly pretentious and removing the audience. And yeah, I, I would love to work with him. Or yeah. Just be like, I'm over here when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> that I love it. Kip has come up a couple of times on this podcast, so that's great. I love that people have been going with Australian directors. We need more Australian directors to take the spotlight, so this is great. And I I feel you. I thought that show was fantastic. Yeah. Well, if we're going like anyone as well, I would also love Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes, same. Again, probably a very popular answer, but... Have you seen his earlier stuff like Dogtooth? No. Oh, so good. No, I really, I have only seen The Favourite, Poor Things. Did he do The Lobster? He sure did. Yes. Those I three. I The Lobster. And then he didn't do The Great. Tony McNamara, I think. Yeah, Tony McNamara wrote, I think they collaborate because Tony, yeah. uh, I think Australian, did the script for The Great and also for The Favourite. So they collaborate a lot. He's a dream person to work with. I would want him. That's the kind of writing that I like aspire to write. And I think that's why we loved Crocodile because it had that, it was by Tom Basden, but it had that same sense of like, Mm. we're set in, this is period historical fiction, Mm. but we're talking like we're in modern day. And it's such a, it's such an obvious trope now, but when it's done well and Tony is the, king of doing it well it is so fucking funny completely but and i also just love that he he has this perfect blend of like his dialogue and his monologues like poetry and completely fucking savage yeah like it's so harsh and brutal and that's just my jam i love it it's really good Okay, um, similarly, what's a show or film or role that you would love to audition for and book? And this can be a role that pre-exists or just like a dream role. I didn't answer this question before because I, I, didn't, I, didn't ha- I didn't have a pre-answer. Um, 
It's so funny because every role I've ever been obsessed with have been written for men. Mm. So I love the Joker in The Dark Knight. Like I just I love I, I love that role so much. I love how sinister he is and just everything about that role. And I don't think there are many female roles that I'm that obsessed with. There are amazing female roles out there, but I would love to play something like Villanelle in Killing Eve. Someone like oh, Villanelle amazing. in Killing Eve. Yeah. She is. Jodie Comer is one of the greatest actors, like, ever. Yeah. She is phenomenal. But, yes, it's very rare that you get to see a female psychopath on TV or in any, like, stage, any role that is exactly that who is so charming and so funny in the way that so many men are in those roles and just completely pulls it off. And, yeah, I, I just loved it. I yeah. lap up that entire role and her performance. Oh, yeah, great, great callback. Yes, but also in, ter- in terms of, like, what do you wish you'd be cast as, it'd be that, and but I know that I wouldn't be. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I mean, like, never say never, but... no one's going to cast you as this person. It's, yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? Like, we know that we have the capacity, but it's what comes across to the casting directors. But anyway, I can see that. I can see you as a little psychopathic bitch. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's... Yeah, well, I guess, like, if you're not getting cast as the role, just write it yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But also, I would choose Jodie Como over me any day. <laughs> like, she is amazing. She's great. Yeah. Yes. Did you see um, Prima Facey? Yes. Did you see it in person? or I? Oh, no, I haven't seen her version. Sorry. I've right. seen the show. But the MTC see, version? Yeah, I didn't see the right. extent one. I missed MTC, but I did see jo- Jodie do it um, in National Theatre live at the some of the, you know how the cinemas like put it on mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool she's incredible mm. what do you do with yourself when you're not acting <laughs> um <laughs> have mental breakdown <laughs> <laughs> talking about my period with you <laughs> be a celebrant be an MC. trying to figure out where the next dollar's coming from and then plot where I'm going overseas or which pub I'm going to go to. (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's get into it. So, because celebranting is a fantastic side hustle as an actor, because as we maybe mentioned earlier on or off air, I cannot remember it. It like it, the hours they work really quite well with Mm. acting, right? Like usually a ceremony is before, if you're doing a theater show in the evening, it fits in before that. Um, You can schedule meetings with couples kind of whenever, but often on the weekend. Um, You can work for yourself essentially, but I think I'm struggling at the moment and please tell me whether you are feeling the same. Um, With sometimes it's like, great, I work for myself. I can do whatever I want every day. And then you sit down and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing today? I feel like a piece of shit, but it's so silly, but I feel that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I will going back to what you said, like talk, what is your toxic trait? I 
absolutely will <laughs> treat myself. I'll either work to the bone and will work for like from morning until night or I'll be like, bitch, go to the movies, <laughs> go and shop and I'll just uh, go get a manicure and I will just waste time and then regret it later I because just- it's so hard. Like, I'm just like, I don't need, if I don't need to do something on a deadline, I will not do it. Yes. And I, and side note, I think we've got the like exact same nail color on. Oh I my God, hilarious. Earlier. Celebrant nails. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a tax write off. It's uh. fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tricky, right? Like on one hand, it's so great because you can work whenever you want. Yeah, um, and we get the shit done before we need to. We're f- we're doing fine, but um, it's very much not a nine to five, and that uh, coupled with our other non nine to five acting. Some some days you just yeah you just like oh I don't feel like I've achieved anything today completely, and I think like when I was doing something as simple as waitressing, I knew like how many hours I was doing then and then how many hours I was putting into creative work. Whereas it's a kind of blurred line because I'm like, okay, well I've worked very hard today. I shouldn't do any creative stuff today. So I put it off and I don't, I'm very bad with calculating like how many hours in a week I'm actually supposed to be working. And then I, I go and, I, and I'm like, well, Denmark does four day work weeks, so fuck them. <laughs> I'll do that, and I'll get a fucking manicure. So it's I don't I don't know. And I actually yeah. don't know well, if I'm yeah. working really hard or not at all. And very true, <laughs> and it's all relative, right? And I think mm-hmm. it is. It is just the um. And I think I'm again. While I was at the gym, nearly in tears after my morning breakdown today. There's, that's one of the best places to be to like do a workout. <laughs> I always went for a run purely because I needed to cry. <laughs> Mate, that was me riding on the treadmill. I was like, maybe I'll squeeze a tear out and reflect on myself and my choices. But you, but it is, I think I, I think it is getting hung up on the should be doing, which actually doesn't fucking matter. But oh, I think yeah. we, we compare inevitably as you do, like, oh, most people work eight hours a day or they work in the week, but Mm -hmm. our jobs are so, I mean, I find myself very free in the week and then my friends are free on the weekends Mm -hmm. and then often we're working as celebrants on the weekends. It's just, it's all over the place. And sometimes, and that's great and partially why I did, why I became a celebrant to work for myself. But yet every now and then, or like you have a bad day and it really gets you down where you just feel like I should be, doing something today and I'm just I'm just not yes and I think the guilt plagues like people in general but creatives especially because there's this thing that's weighing on your mind going well you're the one who chose to have this industry you know like it's hard to make it you know that you've sacrificed this so you have to work x amount of hours and then you look at the people like you need to do this and this and this and you end up yes it's a very like you can feel like shit but then on the other foot, <laughs> I look at full-time workers who do a nine-to-five Monday to Friday and, like, not <laughs> of, no offense to them at all. They're happy doing it. I love that we don't do oh that. Oh, my God. It would depress me yes. so much. Yes, and my friends that are creatively inclined but are doing the nine-to-five – 
fucking hate their lives. And I and I'm actually I'm so happy with my choices because yeah. like who wants like, to I be in an office in. nine to five yeah. when you can be having afternoon sex? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or like like just masturbate, gal. Your vibrate is right there. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> And I think this is something because, and for anyone listening, I, I have said, but, um, and I, and I talked recently to our gorgeous friend, Annabelle Tudor, the three of us are in the same position that all three of our partners are in the same show all summer long at the Botanical Gardens, Midsummer Night's Dream. So we are in the position of being home alone six nights a week in theory, unless mm-hmm. we make plans, do whatever. Um, and I have had so much time to think and reflect on all of this fucking Euro piece of shit stuff. But I think it's about re- reframing it. Like, um, say, you know, we go to a wedding for an hour out of our day or an hour and a half or two hours, including travel time. Because a ceremony goes like 30 minutes. You drive there, mm-hmm. you get there, you sit up, you mm-hmm. do the ceremony, you get out of there. Yeah. Or you do a little legals only ceremony and you're home back and back there and back in an hour or whatever. Or you have a meeting and that's your whole day of work, whatever. But I, I'm trying to rephrase it for myself. Like, sure, someone else may be sat in an office for eight hours today, but compress that eight hours of office works into like the hour that we do work as a celebrant. And it's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's in terms of the amount of hours and time that we give, I, I think we absolutely do as both celebrants and performers and writers and we're working all the time. Sometimes I have the the whole um almost like imposter syndrome mm. not even that but every now and then i just go oh my god what you do is frivolous <laughs> you talk about love or you talk about whatever the fuck you want to on stage and you're not doing anything to make a difference and when i worked at starlight i at least felt like you're cheering up seriously ill children like you can justify whatever else you're doing yeah and now i'm just like okay i am talking about someone's relationship and i love the job like we said so much and i don't think anyone should minimize any job that they do but it is funny like I don't know if you feel the same way sometimes. I, yeah, but then I, I I do also tell myself that it's because, you know, acting in a way is a very self-interested um, pursuit, um, some would say. So I do tell myself that my um, celebrancy is like giving back to the community. It is. Hey, I'm doing it a government service that Not I'm, even I'm getting that. people married. You're, I, you're Saint Valentine. <laughs> You're you're celebrating. But we love. are we are the love doctors. Yeah, that's nice. That can be the title of our podcast. Yeah, the love doctors. Love actually, doctors. I like that very much. Yeah. Actually, yeah. no, it is, and I I think it is so important to celebrate love in general. But it's like you said before, you don't always get the exact results that you want in like any career path. It takes time to see. Things come into fruition and, yeah, every now and then I'm just like, all I've done this week is talk about someone's relationship history <laughs> and send emails about when well, the fuck they met. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Give them notes on their yeah. vows. I'm yeah. going to donate to Amnesty International <laughs> again so I feel like a better person. <laughs> it's And also because – and we were talking about this before we went on there that um, – 
you don't get when you're celebrant you tend to i don't know you get paid like months down the track mm. from when you are doing the work or you've already been paid for it so there's no like i don't know the immediate reward of the work of sitting down and doing it is not so much there but it is also that amazing high of walking away from a ceremony and you're like i fucking nailed that that couple of fucking gonna stay together for at least 20 years (laughs) (laughs) no it absolutely is and it's the kind of high that you get on stage every now and then but you're not pouring your fucking heart and soul out you're just telling a really nice story and in like because i think we both became celebrant celebrants around like covid times if not before i think you were definitely a celebrant before i was i became i got my registration in 2021 yeah well i got mine in like early 2020 but also lockdown so it didn't didn't mean much but it it was it it is really nice talking about love when sometimes the world feels like it's going to shit and you do feel good So even though it does, yes, feel frivolous. And it's the same with performing. Like you don't need to create something. People always like artists have a job to be political. And I completely agree that if we have a chance to, you know, get a message across in an entertaining way or a thought-provoking way, then we should do it. But sometimes it is just about entertaining people. And that is a really nice thing, like to make people laugh or just – entertain them for a moment or just be reminded that that love is a really beautiful thing when it feels like the world is burning. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And that these people have spent tens of thousands of dollars on these, (laughs) on these days and good for them. Yeah. I mean, maybe, no, you don't need to spend that much. <laughs> Your florals don't look that good. That it's so funny, isn't it? And I bet every couple thinks this when they first get engaged and start planning. They're like, we could do this for 10K. And then that very quickly blows out when you realize, oh, no, we cannot. I don't, I don't even think it's possible. I don't think so either. But you and I have spoken about in various states of consciousness that, like, if we got married, we would have – each other as a celebrant or that i mean james and i went in our theoretical wedding conversations oh my god there's people with torches outside my window it's not james but um it freaks me out every time my front door light comes on oh it's it's just the all night long game gaming guy it's fine um terrifying (laughs) shit this is now a horror podcast okay and um in our theoretical wedding you are our celebrant and we've talked about like maybe just the vibe that we maybe mm. want similar things of like just kind of like a nice weekend like festival of love. Absolutely, yes, exactly. Like I would send out a tacky video being like, "Come to this party." <laughs> People are like, "What should what color should my wedding invite be?" I'm like, "Bitch, I'm going to send out post its Like, yes. if that, I'm sending out like a ten minute video of me playing famous characters throughout film history. Yeah. <laughs> It's like we said, a festival of love. But I, I will have that. I think, and sometimes, obviously not every couple, but some couples are like, are you married yourself, Jess? And I'm like, no. Is that a problem? Mm. And a couple of times, 
shoot me in the head i've been like but i can't wait to be (laughs) just you know like you suss the vibe you're like this is what they want to hear and i had one very sweet couple who in and even in their review that they left of me online um because i i had two ceremonies this particular day that were quite close together James drove me between the two and the second couple knew of this and in their review online everywhere they were like oh and Jess's husband was so helpful driving her everywhere I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna correct it's fine (laughs) but I mean I basically said that I'm like I feel like I'm already married like he is my husband Jackson is a a ball and chain like he uh, needy <laughs> bitch. Like we, I want someone else to direct my show. <laughs> I love you. Fuck off. It's we call in this household. We often will call you the Jigovins, which Jigovins. um. So Connie, Lissy, um, Jackson's surname is McGovern, and um, when I uh, James and I did a tour of him several years, a tour with him, not a tour of him. <laughs> I would love to do a tour of Jackson McGovern. I can um, tell you right now, every body part. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, Have um, you got any Play-Doh? <laughs> I do, actually, from my ASMR-based show. Let me get it. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and so we did this tour with Jackson, and he just he developed on the road this alter ego, Max and Jagovin, oh, who was yes. like this A-list superstar, and it was like, oh, Jackson sucks, but Maxon, my God. So in this household, you are both the Jagovins. The Jagovins. <laughs> Yeah, James called me that once, and I was like, "How dare you? I didn't, I didn't submit to a name it change." Is, oh, but it is a term of honor in this household. Yes, just so I you am know. honored. Do it Do again, but better. Okay. Oh, this Brilliant is my plan. favorite. This is my favorite question. What's something about yourself that people might not know about you, or that you wish more people knew about you? <laughs> when you said this is my favorite question, my I went, I'm gonna disappoint you. Oh, no, I can't get out. think of anything. Well that's fine. I mean you've already given Just me so much. Bell. What is what's your thing? Fuck I mean I mean mm. so many which is why I included this question because it's a thing that I think about often, like what are the things that we wish more people knew about us? Mm-hmm. Um we've already talked about it, like I wish that more people knew about my struggles with PMDD because it doesn't come up often, mm. but it really affects. I mean, it's such a part of your life if you have it. So that definitely yes. What else? Um, I just want people to know how smart I am. That's pretty clear. <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about that one. Well, maybe you. Maybe do you feel the same? Um, I. I'm now less so the last two years now that I am a little bit more looking my age, but all throughout my twenties, I looked younger than I was, which amazing for me, but I felt like it then I would always get people being like, I'd be like, you know, I'd spend a lot of time with someone. And then out of the blue, they would be like, how old are you? Because you look like you're 20, but you're talking like a 40 year old. And (laughs) I don't know what my point does that mean. I I don't, but I, because you have a beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. I I think it's that my, my voice and my intelligence is, is I'm mature, but my face, maybe less so now is younger looking. 
and that confuses people. And I used to get really bothered when people underestimated me or condescended to me or cut me out of a conversation because they thought I was a fucking 20 something. I don't know what I'm saying. No, I, I wasn't completely. I thought you would have an answer. No, <laughs> I I know what you mean. I to to quickly um, relate to what you said in no way at all. I've had the opposite problem because people <laughs> always think I'm a fucking idiot. Um, so it this is actually hilarious because my very good friends Charlie and M, their kid Florence, who is. Just started prep, I think, last year, and we were at a house and we were coloring, and Em put her to bed, and she was like, "Mummy, is because they call because I'm from like I know Charlie through Starlight, so they call me Skittles." She's like, "Mummy, is Skittles an adult?" And she was like, <gasps> "What do you think?" And she goes, mm, "I don't know." And she goes, "Yes, she is." He goes, "Okay, I wasn't sure." <gasps> And I was like, that is actually a high compliment. It is. But it also is just proof that, like, you don't act like an adult (laughs) ever. (laughs) But, I I mean, clearly you have been relating to, you know, we relate to children on a different level. You've done it professionally as a Captain Starlight. You're probably fucking amazing at it. (laughs) Like, the playtime, the imagination. So they see you as, like, a friend but confusingly also a parent that is a very lovely way to look at it and i i did look at it like that to a degree as well it was really it was really sweet um but it's it's funny because i have i think i spent my whole life like teens 20s just people always thinking like you're a hot mess like you're (laughs) such an idiot i have some real blonde moment like i just I told you before, like, I didn't realize sugar was a carb. Like, I don't remember (laughs) obvious facts that everyone should. And I think I've gotten really, like, upset sometimes when people have kind of assumed that I'm quite – they're like, oh, you're actually quite ditzy. And I've had to feel like – I've had to prove really hard that I'm really organized. And I think that's why going into being a celebrant where you're running your own business, I'm trying to work like overtime to make sure no one thinks like hot mess. Yeah, right. She's a loose unit. I think being diagnosed with ADD has definitely helped with that because it's made me realize like, okay, so this is also just how your brain works. You're not just like a fucking idiot. You do just look at something and don't pay attention to it. Like I can be, I can be like, where are my keys? And they can be right here. And it's just, (laughs) yeah, that's my brain. I'm really, I'm going to jump in because I'm so interested in, in people who have gotten um, adult diagnoses of such things. Like, um, you're saying you just got diagnosed with ADD last year. Mm. What led you to getting that diagnosis? My friend Alex, she got diagnosed a couple of years before that and we lived together and she was talking about it. And we have very different, um, like a different diagnosis because hers is ADHD and mine's like ADD, which is, it's like an inattentive disorder. Anyway, they're very different. I won't get into that. But um, that was just the sound of me blowing my wine. I'm so sorry. But yeah, she was speaking about it and I was like, okay. I didn't really think anything of it. And then the more 
I think she talked about it. I was like, oh, this sounds very similar to me. I've never really been the person that's like, oh, someone says they have some, you know, those people are like, I have this. And like, I think I have that too. And then eventually I just brought it up with a psychiatrist and she asked me a few questions. She's like, I think there's absolutely something there. You should get tested. And then I did. And the doctor was like, yes, this is a thing. Like you absolutely have it. And I was like, um, look, I don't want to like, you know, shit on this whole thing of like women being diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, because I know what's happening all the time. And it kind of seems like it's this trend and, you know, like, I don't want to insult you as a doctor by like suddenly coming up with this diagnosis, but I just want to make a hundred percent sure that you actually definitely think that I have ADD. And he was like, yes, <laughs> you a hundred percent have it. I was like, cool, 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 cool. Sorry to insult your profession. Thank you so much. I totally get that though, because I sometimes wonder if I have ADHD as I'm sure so many adults, women do because it feels it feels like a bit of a like hot topic right now that everyone's getting late diagnosed as adults and especially women which is Mm -hmm. nothing to do with us and you it's completely to do with the lack of um like i mean training and research around women's health 100 percent. really only started for women in the 90s like the late 90s and up until then they thought it was purely a hyperactive thing like boys who were absolutely disrupting classes. Women go undiagnosed all the time because like I was called in literally every report card I've ever had. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That is the sound of my cat uh, playing in her who gives a crap box. She's stopped now. So good. (laughs) Yes. Every report card I ever had was like, Emily's a daydreamer. She's off with the fairies. And I thought, it just became a running joke. I was like, oh, that's, that's it. Wow. Just got overlooked. And I feel bad because I don't want my parents to feel like they missed something. But, you know, as a kid, I was still like quite happy and I was social and I like had a, you know, I functioned quite well, like in so many other aspects. So it was, it would have been a very hard thing to pick. Mm. It was just this, constant thing of like Emily's lazy she's a party girl she's rebellious she's not doing this this and this and like and that I think that's been like the rhetoric for me so whenever even with the diagnosis if I fuck something up or I don't do something it's that constant thing of like you're lazy like you're just failing again Mm. no but I, I feel like I have so many girlfriends who have only in their late twenties um, or later, been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, mm. and just how much has ch- changed their lives. And yeah, I'm always so interested to hear like their experiences. So thank you for sharing. Oh, anytime. It's honestly the when you look at it though, it's the shittest symptoms. It's all <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> just like cannot see things right in front of her, <laughs> like. 
is perpetually late, does not know how to manage time. And people are like, that's me. I'm like, yes, every trait of ADD, like some person has experienced that in their time, but you don't experience it every day. Exactly. And I think that's the difference because as I said, you know, sometimes I, and I'm sure so many people do, we wonder every now and then like, oh my gosh, it's me. But as you say, because that's a lot of, a lot of that is things that all of us can relate to, Mm. but that does not a diagnosis make and what is the line and what is truly just the way that, I don't know, culture and workplaces run these days. Completely. But, but also on that, like if you have an inkling or if you have always felt like something like that is, if it all just kind of lines up or you take an online quiz, I would absolutely seek a diagnosis because I would hate for people to not seek something just because they were worried that it was a trend and then they're missing out on something that could very much impact their life. That's a really good point actually. And note to self, (laughs) go to the doctors. Um, I think most of the time people know, like they, they're pretty intuitive about this kind of thing, mm. especially because now there are a lot of resources available for us to look at that. Well, yeah. And because I have been learning a lot more lately about, um, sensory, I don't know, issues processing and I had watched some reels and I was like, oh my God, I relate so hard to this mm. and things that I always just really criticized about myself, like, that I'm just fussy or something. Actually, mm. maybe it's a sensory thing. Or yeah. like I said to you before we actually started recording, I've always hated having makeup on my face. Like yeah. um, foundation, any yeah. sunscreen. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get home, I am scrubbing it off my face. And I always just thought that that was me being a little bitch. But no, it's not. And like at the risk of sounding like a broken record, it's – we can't have a re- something that's only been researched for women in the late 90s to then become this trend that they're trying to convince us, like, everybody has it, to then discouraging people from seeking a diagnosis because then we're just going full circle of us not talking about it again. Yeah. And you, you're made to feel like you're either jumping on a bad wag- bandwagon or being a hypochondriac, and it's not true because... And I think women especially get made to feel bad all the time about overreacting, but no one understands our brains or our bodies because no one puts funding into the research. And truly like num example, number one of this point is that they, they, um, tested the, um, contraceptive pill on men. Mm. What the fuck? And immediately the, all of the men in this trial for the contraceptive pill were like, oh, I feel shit, my mood. Oh, and they stopped the trial immediately. Yeah. God forbid a man be in pain. Oh, my. It, if you really think about it, and you know what? I encourage you all to. <laughs> the lack of research for women and just like we've been made to feel crazy mm. and dramatic and just hypochondriacs it is fucked yeah and then of course because you've been suppressed for so long you feel that anger and then you feel like they win because they're like look at you you're overreacting i'm like (laughs) you're crazy i'm gonna cut your throat out (laughs) so cool 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 
do it again, but better. What advice would you give to your past self? Or did we already cover that? No, we. I did not answer it. Um, I would give, oh my God. I would sit that girl down. They're <laughs> like, we are not leaving this room. I think the biggest thing, hey, break up with your boyfriend. <laughs> He's ruining your life. Be the biggest thing. I. It's so embarrassing to admit it, but just stop worrying about age. I, it was so ludicrous that as a 20-year-old, and I was just like my deluded self and like, I'm going to win an Oscar. I'm too late to break it into Hollywood. And, and you do these, you'd pay for these fucking acting classes and these cunty little US directors who have done nothing would come on over me like, you know, you have to be 20, like 23 years old. And they would tell you this bullshit and my beautiful mom would get so mad and be like that is crap and I'd be like you don't understand you're not in the industry so past self would be like just listen to your mother listen to your mother she knows listen to anyone that is saying you're never too old to do this because they are right and we're just worried about our age and time especially because you know our eggs are constantly dying (laughs) So there's that that's weighing on our mind. So, yeah, I yeah. that would be the biggest thing as a 20-year-old. Like, why are you worried about this? Yeah, man, to feel that as a 20-year-old, oh, that's really something. I would slap her in the face. I would <laughs> slap her in the face. <laughs> Do you feel that now uh, the, the fear of aging or the crisis of aging, whatever. Are you feeling that more now or not so much? N- not nearly as much as I did when I was 25, which yeah, is right. hilarious. But um, amazing as well. Like, good for you. I think it's because there's, I mean, physically, yes. Obviously, I age quicker than I did when I was 25. <laughs> like, oh, you were blessed. You had no, everything just bounced back. <laughs> but, but then I keep thinking when I'm 45, because I'm 35 now, when I'm 45, I'll be like, oh, my God, 35 was so young. When I'm 55, I'll, and I don't want to keep doing that. I don't want to keep every 10 years living with regret that I didn't, like, embrace the age that I was. I'm just done worrying about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I have been a bit confronted with my age recently because I, <laughs> I was trying to downgrade my iCloud storage payment wise and uh, so I've been like deleting a fuckload of photos and videos from my computer which um included me looking back at a lot of photos and that kind of I don't know it got me down surprisingly it took me by surprise how much I was like don't always seem to go (laughs) but like I truly I feel that where it's it's really fucking sad you look back and like wow I thought I was a large or fat or unattractive then look how fucking amazing I look and I didn't even appreciate it then so I'm trying to exactly what you just said you don't want to look back at another decade and be like man you spent your 30s worrying about aging and trying to make yourself younger because that Mm -hmm. is it's just a cycle that is going to repeat itself completely and I I remember those I remember even the photo itself and feeling in that moment either ugly or like I'd put on weight and I look back I'm like 
oh my god you're like look at you like look you're a size eight like what is wrong with you? How could you possibly have worried about right? that? Yeah. The only thing that's missing is knowing how to fill in your brows, something you still struggle with. But anyway, moving on. Like it's yeah, it's 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 <laughs> And I think another reason is um I'm willing to be debated on this. Oh, go. Is that we our generation didn't, and the generations before that, didn't have older women to look up to. It was very much like, these are your sex in the city gals in their young 30s thriving, or these are the golden ga- girls who were like 40 but look 80. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no, if you're really breaking it down, there is no like 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old and onwards of – female heroines that we're going this person didn't have like they've been vilified in the media they continue to be vilified if they're not married or they don't have kids and if you know what I mean like there's yeah I think women would be so much feel so much better about aging if we had these brackets of other women before us not giving a fuck and I know they're out there they just haven't been had their spotlight. Yeah. I know there's plenty of them, but yeah, to just, we don't have anything to look up to. We just yeah. see the media going, look how old this person is. And I, and I feel like maybe there was a micro moment when promising young woman, woman came out and Kerry Mulligan's character claimed to be the age that Kerry Mulligan actually was or something. Mm. I don't know. But she is an actress, actor, who has not gone for the Botox, whatever, trying to make herself look younger route. She just appeared on screen at the age she was and there was kind of backlash or like, oh, my God, how dare she have wrinkles on the screen? And Mm -hmm. same with, like, Kate Winslet. Mm -hmm. Um, The moment of time that I'm talking about is around when Kate was in – was that a great show? Mayor of Easttown mm. and promising young woman was coming out and it was like, Oh my God, these real women are appearing on the screen. How do we feel about that? But it was so fucking nice, especially mm. as a woman in, in her thirties to see uh, real women because we actually, and the lie that we've been fed is that um, women don't have lines and wrinkles and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, Oh shit, actually they've, all had Botox or whatever they've had. And talking to a lot of my friends, they have gone that route and great. Amazing. I fucking paid hundreds of dollars for a fucking Dermapen facial the other day. Cause I didn't want Botox. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I don't want Botox, but I'll spend hundreds of dollars having a, a painful needle in my face instead. <laughs> but like the- that too. <laughs> Because she was like, we don't need Botox yet. Let's do this. I'm like, I feel like you're jilting me, but I'll take it. <laughs> I, I, I should apologize to my mom and I will when I next see her. But I, yeah, I had this fucking Dermapen treatment on Monday and I've been red in the face ever since. And I'm like, that's oh, amazing. Does it really? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's. I told you when you opened the door, you're glowing. Thank you. <laughs> so, I, I think I look like shit, but thank you. You absolutely don't. Thank you. Um, but I, I went to see, I was hanging out with my mum the other day and she was like, is, have you had, have you had 
you were, what's going on in your face? She was like, oh, I, I've had this treatment. And she was like, what? She went, why, why would you do that? And I was like, mum, the pressures of aging. You don't understand. Most of my friends are having Botox. I have not done that. Instead, I've had needles in my face. Don't you dare tell me off. And we, and then and she was trying, she was just trying to be like, don't do that again, please. And I was like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me what I do. <laughs> I said it just like that. <laughs> it is. It is. I honestly don't know where to begin and end with this kind of conversation. Hey, because on the one hand, it's like it's anti-feminist to tell women that they can't have any kind of surgery or enhancements. Um, if you want to do something that makes you feel good go for it. I'm like, yes, cool. I don't give a fuck if you get a nose job or a boob job or Botox, like go for gold. But then it's also like, this has come from somewhere. Someone has made you feel bad about this. Society has made you feel bad about this, but it's also always going to be a society that probably Mm. makes you feel bad. And I'm sorry to the listeners if I'm depressing you right now, but it's this this vicious cycle of Mm. like, where does it begin and end with, yeah. you know, like what's the difference between putting on a bit of makeup and like doing a fake tan to getting your hair done to getting like a bit of a lip filler to something that is so has become such a sophisticated, almost like reasonably priced thing to do now. Back in the day, it was really hard. It was a really complex procedure to even like have your lips done. And now it's just like, boom, you're in and out. It's a couple hundred dollars. Um, so, and it's not permanent. So like, what's the, I don't know. I I don't think we need to have an answer to this question per se. I'm very, I have no idea how to wrap this up. Well, we, is anyone listening? I'm I'm listening. I'm interested. Uh, If you are on your way to chemist warehouse, (laughs) Just get yourself some fucking sunscreen and call it a day. That is actually, that's my advice to my younger self. Wear Ooh. sunscreen. I know you hate it. My, my beautiful sensory uh, sensitive darling, but wear sunscreen. You can find a nice little, a nice moisturizer one. You can. Yeah. yeah. My final question is, and we've already touched on it in so many ways, but what is your toxic trait or your fatal flaw? Just another drink. One more beer. What does it matter? That. (laughs) I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, who cares? Don't worry about it. Any excuse under the sun. I mean, that sounds like a great trait. I'm seeing no toxicity here. A plus. Tick, tick, tick. Continue. Yeah. Well, that brain has also been like, slap on the couch for 10 hours. Eat that bag of chips. Watch Gossip Girl again. Fry your brain. Don't do anything. Tell your partner when he comes home that you did do things. (laughs) He knows you didn't, but play the game anyway. Sweet Jackson, you've been lied to. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I like this as a trait, though. I, I'm the other way. I cannot relax. 
Oh, I, I either go one or the other. I'll like go too like anal and just be a pain in the ass or I will relax so hard that I put the sloths to shame. Like they wish they were me. <laughs> one day, so like if I was single, you would have found me like in the apartment with a bag of chips. <laughs> Just cats circling, eating her face off. <laughs> this is amazing. With Gossip Girl on replay. Oh, Gossip Girl, man, I, I think of it often. Oh. I don't need to replay it because it's all—it's always replaying in my mind. I love it. It is. That's my toxic trait, thinking Gossip Girl's a great show. Not the new series. That was a piece of shit. The old one. Who was your favorite on the old season? Blair and Dan. Blair and Dan, yeah, interesting. Yes. I think Dan was the hottest. Yeah, but he was 100%. sold to us originally as the least hot. Yeah, I was like, this guy's a fucking. Ba- Are you kidding me? <laughs> Until he did you, I'm like, oh, he's creepy. He's just a good performer, but he is an absolute fox. Do it again, but better. That is the end of all of my questions. Oh, is there I'm anything sorry, else? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I completely blacked out. I don't remember a thing. I don't know what happened. <laughs> We've gone so off topic. We've been so on topic. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Oh my gosh. Okay, where can listeners? Um, you have a show coming up. Where can people find you? Tell me everything. Oh, okay. Um, I <laughs> just Google most wanted. No, I, sorry, bad joke. I, I'm doing a show called Duck Duck Goose. That, that'll be very fun and dramatic and come see me trying and have a f- Irish accent. Oh, that's right. That'll be at yeah. Theatre Works. Um, I don't know. If you want to know where I, if you want to give me a call. <laughs> If you want to um, book me, you can slide into Emily Clarecar, my Instagram account, or any email. And if you want to put a hit out on me, just do the same thing. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, this is the Do It Again But Better podcast, and I am Jess Stanley. You can find me at Jess Stanley. Um, that is the end. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Jess. And I would love to do this again, but better. Please cut out all the bullshit. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Can you do it again, but better? Hello. Um, it's me, Sober Jess. Uh, guess who forgot once again to ask the lightning round questions? So <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, it's Emily as well. It seems like I've been here the whole time, but it's several days later. <laughs> it's several weeks later, in fact, but we are actually still sipping oh, drinks, right. but we are not as drunk. Well, it's a fabulous show. <laughs> we did. Um, it was fantastic, but by the time you hear this, it will be closed, so don't even fucking worry about don't it. Don't even look at it. <laughs> anyway, uh, here come the lightning round questions for you. Emily Carr. In person or self-tape? Oh, uh, in person, but, like, not for a commercial because they're so fucking annoying. Yes, yes. So if I have, not like, several... That makes it sound like, oh, I get auditions all the time. <laughs> Please send me your auditions. <laughs> Overall, in person. Uh, props or no props? Oh. Ooh. I don't really give a shit about props. <laughs> Go-to colour that you wear. Okay, I feel like I wear black and white a lot, which is ridiculous because I have pasty-ass skin. Oh, but you look nice Wait. and white, I think. Thank you so much. Are we talking about costumes or just my daily just for, <laughs> Sorry, for, for auditions, for auditions, self-tapes, for auditions. <laughs> I thought we were discussing my wardrobe. 
Um, it depends what it is, but maybe like a blue or green so my eyes pop. Very good. Uh, Rita, on to your right or left? Never thought about it before, but I guess left. Entering frame or starting in frame? Entering, baby. <laughs> Stating height in feet or centimetres? Oh, centimetres. What the fuck? I don't know how many feet I am. <laughs> Finish these sentences. Auditioning is? The worst and the best. <laughs> I hate it and I love it. I quit. What I love most about auditioning is? Uh, everything and nothing. <laughs> I hate it and I love it. I quit. The, the worst thing you can do right before an audition is? Um, insult the film. <laughs> Oh, that's a good answer. Thank you so much. I um, And guess what? We have just been joined by Annabelle Tudor from episode one. What? I, I once again forgot to ask Em the lightning round question, so oh, I just recorded no. it on my phone. I was just going to say the best thing to do before an audition is get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to episode one. Go back and listen, babies. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to Do It Again But Better, a podcast hosted by Jessica Stanley, born and raised in Nam or Melbourne. This podcast was created, recorded and edited on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.